Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money-saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. morning everyone drive carefully on this tuesday morning it is the opening drive on 101 espn carrie davis matthew rocchio randy Carricker. great to have you with us at seven o'clock your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler on the morning after another blues victory good morning mr davis hey very good morning another blues victory that 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 sounds really good randy another another blues blues victory that's Three in a row. It was. That's a winning streak. <laughs> it that's is. a winning streak. It is. <laughs> it was unbelievable. The Blues coming away with a 3-2 victory. Perhaps you fell asleep before this game ended. We'll have the highlights for you in a moment. We do want you to know that later on in the show, we're going to talk to Mike Claiborne, as we do every Tuesday. Billikens head coach Travis Ford. He His team will welcome Memphis to town tonight. And Travis will join us at 845. Darren Pang with his Tuesday visit coming up at 915. So we're looking forward to that. Last night, in Denver against the Stanley Cup champions, the Blues looking for their third victory in a row. And Miko Rantanen scores the first goal of the game for Colorado. And you're saying, uh-oh, here we go. But the Blues were able to hold serve, finish the first period, uh, uh, finish the first period scoreless in the second period after Rantanen had scored at the 11:29 mark. Robert Thomas came through big time for the Blues. Up to Thomas, partial break, shoots, he scores! Robert Thomas snuck behind the defense and he's tied it for the Blues. 6-11 to go in the second. It's a goal apiece. And CD, how about the moms? It's it's the moms trip for the Blues. And the moms, once the Blues did something good, man, they went crazy up in their couple of suites. It was amazing to see them. <laughs> they were just so excited. You can I mean, just imagine, you know, my mom has been a, a part of my whole career, my, my football career, and now just to be able to watch their mothers be so excited for something that they they were doing when they were children. I'm sure they remember all of the times taking them to the hockey rink and the driving back and forth and how how tired they may have been. Uh, but to be able to sit in the suite and watch your sons play at the highest level has to be just the greatest feeling in the world for those mothers. Uh, and it's really cool that the Blues allowed that to happen. They, ta- yeah. they, they allowed that to take place. So, you know, kudos to the Blues. But hats off to the moms around the world, not just the hockey moms, but, you know, celebrate them every day. But those mothers were so excited to watch their kids play hockey. It was fun to see. So the, Robert Thomas got him to tie, and then before the second period was out, Brandon Saad put the Blues on top. Throwing out the blocker to his right was Georgiev. Recovered by Saad, he chucks it to the net, and the Blues are saying the puck is in. It the is. referee's going to look, and it's in the goal. They've scored and taken a 2-1 to lead with 101 to go in the second period. 
So it was 2-1 Blues after a period. Jordan Cairo scoring on the power play 13 seconds into the third. 3-1 Blues. Lekkonen scored for Colorado just a few minutes later. So it was a 3-2 game, and it was intense as we went down the stretch. It became a little bit more intense when Justin Falk took a penalty at the 17:59 mark, a two-minute tripping penalty, and allowed the number one power play in the league to have a power play. The Blues were okay for 17 seconds until Pavel Buchnevich inadvertently tipped a puck over the glass. Delay of game. The Blues against the number one power play unit in the league. A five-on-three that became a six-on-three when they pulled the goalie with about a minute to go. Abs go to center. The puck is shot. It's missed. The Blues clear. You can bring out the Zamboni. What a great win tonight. And a gutty penalty kill to seal it for the Blues. Three to two, the final at Ball Arena. And we had some mom magic tonight. Chris Kerber with a great call. And CD, it's amazing that a week ago tomorrow, we were joking about the number of the day being eight. Yeah. And here are the Blues with the magic number being three it, on it, the other it, end of the spectrum. What a difference a week makes. It, <laughs> it is absolutely, this is fun to watch. I mean, those games, we, we they, it seemed as though they weren't close in those in that eight-game losing streak. There mm. were a lot of things that you would watch and say, oh, that's bad. Oh, that's even worse. They're not taking care of the puck. They're not doing a good job in front of the net. They, they're, they're not doing anything good. And now you're watching them play and you're saying, okay, I can see the, the, the changes that they're making, there are simple plays that are being made and guys are doing things that you're saying, okay, uh, for example, I, I, in the first period I watched, and Panger talked about it, Kairou took the puck into the into the uh, offensive zone and held it in there during the line shift. And that's not a stat that's going to be on any sheet. No one is going to see that. No one, But the importance of being able to hold that puck in their zone up against the boards while you're fighting with two guys, not allowing them to take it and get an odd man rush on a team that is changing lines, that is something where you're saying, okay, Kyrou is starting to get it. And, and now when you start to get that part of the game, the other parts of the game where you what you do best, score goals, becomes much easier because you're doing the simple parts and the things that – Make your teammates appreciate you more. Those guys on that team saw that. They noticed that. They saw them fighting and making sure that the Avs didn't get a rush on them. And and those are the things that, that endear you to your teammates where you say, hey, that's our guy. He's fighting for us. A stat, <laughs> Something that's not going to be on the stat sheet, but he's working his butt off for the team. For the Blues in the last decade under Ken Hitchcock and Craig Bruby when they've been really good, the coaches always talk about winning puck battles. And if you win puck battles, that means you're going to win puck possession. And that's what the Blues have been all about is puck possession. They didn't have a lot of possession in those final two minutes. Here's Craig Bruby on that five-on-three. It's unfortunate with Bucci knocking it out of the air into the stands. It's like, you know, but, yeah, guys battled and did a good job. Benner made a big save there. Um, guys laid it on the line. Yeah, uh, Bennington was sensational. We can't dismiss how good he was in Denver either. Yeah, I mean, he did an outstanding job. He, 45 of 40, 47, uh, just did an outstanding job of, of making sure that the pucks didn't go in. And I want to go back to the side goal. We talked about just getting the shots on net, and that's what he did. He was just shooting it. He, he might have been trying to pay. got deflected, looked like, but he was just shooting it on net, and good things tend to happen. Shoot the puck. Like, right. <laughs> just shoot yeah. it. At times, shoot it. Sometimes you'll get a rebound. Sometimes you'll squeak one in, and you'll be able to go up in the game. So I'm just, I'm just right now watching them play the way that they're playing against two very good teams mm-hmm. the last couple of nights. Um, it's fun to see. 
It's, it's exciting to see, and I am looking forward to seeing how much more energy they bring every single night. Blues at Chicago tomorrow night, 5.30 pregame, 6.30 faceoff from the United Center here on 101 ESPN. Meanwhile, also last night, Monday Night Football, the Eagles falling for the first time this year, 32-21 to the Washington Commanders, and Washington just commanded that game. They maintained possession of the game for better than 40 minutes. They ran the ball and they they just took it to a Philadelphia team that hadn't had that happen to them. Yeah, I mean, if you are the, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know how they are offensively. Jalen Hurts has been in the MVP conversations. A.J. Brown is playing outstanding. Um, if you only have the ball for a third of the game in comparison to the other team, you're going to have trouble putting points on the board. And I think Washington did a good job of, as you said, controlling the ball, making sure that they didn't uh, have turnovers in, in, in crucial moments, and just beating the Eagles probably at their own game, just taking mm-hmm. it right at them and not shying away from it. Washington did a very, very good job last night. And, and I'll say this for that staff. Scott Turner is the offensive coordinator in Washington. Jack Del Rio, their defensive coordinator. And on offense, they don't have a ton of talent. And when you're missing Chase Young, one of the best pass rushers in the league, their defensive line is really good. But beyond that, they don't have a ton of talent defensively either. But their teams play the right way. And I don't think they'll win a division. But at least they're able to stay in games because they're coached really well. Well, and and think about this. Taylor Heineke is is a guy that they brought in Carson Wentz. Taylor did a a pretty good job last year uh, when he had his opportunities, and he's doing it again. He's a guy that... You know, given his chance, his, here's a guy that was second, the second-string quarterback for the St. Louis Battlehawks when they were here. He's done an outstanding job of leading a team, and and when you have him in there, Scott Turner and him, they understand one another. It's 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 interesting to watch how well they, how different they look with him at quarterback in comparison to Carson Wentz. Um, and to go and get that win against Philadelphia last night was outstanding for that team. That has been through a. That they're they're going through a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> off the field. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of things that are happening week in and week out in that in that uh, organization to go out and get a win versus an undefeated Eagles team was uh, was an outstanding win for them. And speaking of BattleHawks quarterback, the new BattleHawks will draft their quarterback this morning, and there's a video stream. You'll be able to watch it on the XFL website, and we'll find out today who the new quarterback or the first quarterback of this next incarnation of the BattleHawks is going to be. Baseball rookies of the year named last night and the Cardinals Brendan Donovan did not win he finished third in the voting Spencer Strider of Atlanta won and Michael or Michael Harris of Atlanta won Spencer Strider of Atlanta was second Donovan third Jake McCarthy of Arizona was fourth Alexis Diaz of Cincinnati and then Nick Lodolo and O'Neill Cruz of Pittsburgh also got a couple of votes Julio Rodriguez was the American League Rookie of the Year followed by Adley Richmond the Baltimore catcher Stephen Kwan the outfielder for Cleveland followed by Bobby Witt Jr. of Kansas City Jeremy Pena the World Series MVP of Houston and George Kirby of the Mariners but congratulations to Brendan Donovan on a, a great season and to get noticed and recognition in that rookie of the year voting. How how good were the Cardinals last year? Because because if you if you are really if you're a Cardinals fan, you you you're, you're frustrated with how the season ended, right? Mm-hmm. But you have a rookie of the year who finishes third. You have two MVP candidates that are are going to finish, you know, one three one two whatever the case may be. Um, this team was really good. Mm-hmm. It just didn't finish the way that you wanted it to finish. And and I think when you look at what the Cardinals have going into next year, there are so many people that are going to be jumping and screaming, we need to change this. We need... 
it, it was really good. Like for mm-hmm. for the the ninety percent, ninety five percent of the season, it was really good. The last. 20, 20 or so games weren't as good as, as you would have wanted, but it was a really good season and a really good team and really good players doing what they were doing. And so I am really excited to see what this team looks like next 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 summer because I am I am I am trusting that that Ali and those guys understand who they are and just bringing in a few pieces will help them ascend to to where we need them to be. And one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that. They need pieces A to replace Pujols and Molina, yep. and then you need pieces to get better, yes. to, to ascend. So yep. uh, Mo and Gersh and that gang have a lot of work to do. As we mentioned, SLU and Memphis play tonight, and we have college basketball tonight here on our airwaves. Pre-game at 5.30 for number 4 Kentucky. They take on Michigan State, and then... At 8.30, it's Duke and Kansas. All of our Kansas friends and all of the Duke haters will uh, be tuned into that one here on 101 ESPN. Is the self-imposed suspension over for KU? I don't, they still, I don't know. I think, how many Bill, games I think it was four for Bill Self. Have they played four games yet? I don't think they I, have. I, if I, no? you saying no, Rock? This is, what game? What number is this Mr. for them? Mizzou? I think this will be game number three for KU. Oh, so, so the self-imposed does take place. Yeah. They're, still, they're still not there. Right, it's amazing you can self-impose and and that that's enough. I would How think can you the, win games without Bill Self when you're playing things like playing teams like Omaha and North Dakota State. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're two and zero right now. So the Duke Duke tonight, and then Southern Utah on Friday, and then the barn burner against NC State. He comes back. They they have a game against Mizzou coming up here mm-hmm. shortly, don't they? He'll uh, be yes, back for December tenth. He will be back for that because yeah. of course he is. Yeah. Here's the thing: <laughs> if I were being investigated by the FBI, I think it'd be cool just to say, you know what, I'm going to take four <laughs> days off. Let's end. Let's end this. You know what? Four days. The, I, the, I see where you're going with this. I'll just take my time. I, you don't have to suspend me or fire me or or put me in jail. I'll just walk away for a week or so. Everything is clear. We're done here. Don't look this way anymore. It's okay. <laughs> that, I mean, I think we should settle things that yeah. way. That sounds sounds reasonable. Yeah, let's see. I'm Randy, and we're off and here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, free agent Trey Turner is really trying to sell himself in free agency. He's got a special guest to help him. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Many of us, myself included as Cardinal fans, want Trey Turner to come to the Cardinals. Trey Turner is represented by CAA. And if you go to the YouTube, there's a video for all 30 Major League Baseball teams to watch Trey Turner. And interestingly, those of us here in St. Louis that want Trey Turner noted that a St. Louisan, a guy who really adores Cardinal Nation and baseball heaven, was the person that was hired to voice Trey Turner's hype video. Here it is. Trey Vance Turner. A true superstar in today's game. This guy does it all. He can run. He can throw. He plays elite shortstop. He hits. He hits for power. Did I mention he hits for power? He slides. He can lead off and be a table setter, or he can hit second or third and be a run producer. As an opponent, he's your worst nightmare. As a teammate or fan, he's a dream come true. 
There's no doubt Trey has become one of the best position players in the game today. You need some facts to back it up? Since 2019, he's been the second best position player in baseball, according to Fangraphs, with 20.1 F4. He sits behind only Judge and leads Freeman, Ramirez, and Betts. Trey's the only active shortstop with a lifetime career 300-plus batting average. The last shortstop to finish his career with a 300 average was Derek Jeter. In 2022, he went 100-100 and and had three different 20-game hit streaks. This guy's as close to slump-proof as it gets. But enough with the numbers. There's more to it. Trey Turner makes the game of baseball more fun to watch. He's who you pay to watch play. Every sport has those types of stars. The greatest athletes of all time, they have their own style, their own substance. I think we all know Trey's. It's the smoothness of his game. It looks effortless, but it's actually just efficient athleticism. These are qualities that will age like fine wine. Think Jerry Rice, Steph Curry. These types of athletes and body types combine to form durability and longevity. Beyond the historic numbers and highlights, most importantly, this guy is a winner. He's been a world champion and been to the postseason five times in seven years. He's a leader. He brings it every single day. You have the opportunity to change the direction of your franchise with a centerpiece, a player that gives you a chance to win every day with him at the top of your lineup. Focus now because the opportunity will pass you by in a flash. Thank you, John Hamm, who is a client of CAA, as is Trey Turner. But I want the Cardinals to sign him really bad now. Sign, sign me up for that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you, you hear all of the, you've watched him, you know, you, you've seen him play. But to hear it narrated by John Hamm, it makes you feel like this guy is, is he's a winner. He's slump proof. He's slump proof. He's going to win. Just plug and play. He's ready to roll uh, when you are. Not great. <laughs> no, he is. He's great. He is very great. Yeah. So. He's awesome. I, I think that, you know, we talked about what the Cardinals, I mean, it's, and it's all speculation, right? We don't have, we're not in Mosellock's head. We're yeah. not there with him in those meetings. So we don't know exactly what he's thinking, but you, you would think that catcher is, is the number one priority. And then if you can get a guy like Trey Turner, despite what you believe in Mason Wynn, despite, here's the thing what people need to understand about sports. Brendan Donovan had a hell of a year. He finished three top three in rookie of the year. That's a clap it up. He's yeah, utility gold job, glove. It's man. amazing. If you get Trey Turner, all that goes out the He's window. No one is going to doubt that or complain about that. Even Brendan Donovan understands that there are levels to where you are and who you are in this game. Now he would be frustrated, but you understand that if you get a superstar like Trey Turner. You put him in the lineup no matter who's there because he's greater than what you have there now. So it, it's 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 wonderful. Guys do a wonderful job. Everyone does an outstanding job. But if you can get a guy like that to come in to hit second in your lineup, to be your gold glove shortstop, you move Tommy Ebb to second base. When Mason Wynn gets ready to come up, <laughs> he either plays second or you put him in center field or you find a spot for him because he's so athletic. You got a good team, and you got a very, very good player in Trey Turner in your lineup. But that's not what the Cardinals are about. It's not. They say that they'll keep their fingers on the pulse of the shortstop market. But I can tell you right now, Trey Turner is getting $30 million a year, probably for either six or seven. And the Cardinals won't do that because they're going to say, well, we don't want to block Mason Wynn. Well, Mason Wynn can hope to be as good as Trey Turner. Yeah. All right? The, the 
competitive move on the part of the Cardinals. If you really do want to go and set yourself up to be awesome, would be to go get Trey Turner and put him at the top of your lineup. But that's just not how they roll. And what they're going to do is plug in Edmund. Edmund's going to be their shortstop. Donovan's going to be their second baseman. And then Mason Wynn is on the way. I would... I think everybody knows. I would love them to sign Trey Turner, but I just don't think it's realistic because all of the teams that are losing big-time shortstops, let's leave Minnesota out of this, but the Red Sox are going to need a shortstop. The Dodgers are going to need a shortstop with Turner leaving. Uh, The Yankees, even though they have two prospects that are really good, they very well could be in the market for shots shortstop, and the big one is Philadelphia. Yeah, because they're they got rid of Gene Segura already. They're going to move Stott over to second, and Philadelphia is in the hunt for Trey Turner as well. There are too many big market, big spending teams for us to think that the Cardinals would compete and swim in those waters. And, and you believe that Trey Turner is going to the Philadelphia Phillies? I you do. think that that's his landing spot? Yeah. Um, it, you know, if you put him on that lineup, <laughs> they were already scary. They're going to be even more scarier watching them, you know, day in and day out with him in that lineup. All right. Kerry Davis gets the opportunity to hire any voice in the world for your hype video, for your two and a half minute Kerry Davis hype video. Who you got? I'm going Morgan Freeman. I, I don't think you can go wrong with with Morgan Freeman doing your 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 documentary, your voiceover, whatever you need, just his his calmness, but his directness. It's right mm-hmm. at you, but it's it's like someone, it's like a grandfather, somebody you can sit next to and listen to tell stories about the old days mm-hmm. and how he grew up. But it's just that directness and that calming voice that brings you in, and it's he's a great storyteller. So I'm going Morgan Freeman off the top. In his prime. And this is more than a decade ago. I think I would have gone with Harrison Ford. Ah, you you know what? You could you could play Harrison Ford in a in a in a in, in, in a biopic. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He, or he could play me. <laughs> he could play you. One <laughs> or the other. Like he, if you were to do that, I, I like that. If you were to have a biopic, you Randy Carriker, and your your whole history, I could see Harrison Ford being ah. that being that person. Uh-huh. That's, Being that's you. pretty cool because yeah. he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah, I can see that. So he's pretty cool, except he crashes too many planes. <laughs> but now, because I think that he's kind of lost his fastball, and James Earl Jones, by the way, had a great voice yes. too. I think if I were going to go with somebody in the voice world now, um, boy, this is this is tough. I I probably. I don't know, because Jack Nicholson would have been fun, too. And I kind of think he's lost his fastball. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to end this debate right now. And by the way, we've, we've got a, a J- James Earl Jones. We've got a, a The Rock. Oh, uh, Bruce Buffer. Uh, yeah, Kevin Costner, but only how, how he talks in, in Yellowstone. <laughs> Another one would that would have been great is Clint Eastwood. What about Liam Neeson? Oh, that there's a great call. If you, That's a great like, call. Like, yep. <laughs> Liam Neeson giving you a voiceover, giving you a, a, a telling you what you should like. He yep. is a very specific very, set of skills. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna yeah. do what he asks you to do. Okay, I'll use that one. That's, right. that's a really good call. Speaking Harrison Ford, The Fugitive, very underrated movie. One of my all time favorite is a movies. Fabulous movie. Yeah, I love it. You catch that man? I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> no, that's like uh, that. And I know this sounds weird. Dr. Richard Campbell. Yeah. I love that movie yeah. so much. Richard Campbell! Yeah. Um, 
we've got a, a car at his house. I know everyone. <laughs> um, but that is a great St. Patrick's Day movie. Like, because that's when it happens. Yeah. It's great. Yep. I, I love that movie. All right, Matthew, do you have a guy, a, a gal, who's going to voice your hype video? I'm very mad that somebody on the text line already stole my, my ace in the hole, the one that no one was going to answer. I told you this one yesterday, Randy. Listen, everyone wants to go smooth. Everyone wants to go suave. Listen, you have the man who voiced God at some point, uh, like three different times in Morgan Freeman, or the devil, if you look at Bruce Almighty differently like I do. <laughs> um, also, you have Darth Vader, like you said, James Earl Jones. I want some shots. Shock value. I want some shock value. I'm going to go old school. I'm going to dig in my childhood. The man voiced, for me, most most famously, Iago in the Aladdin movie. Ladies and gentlemen, Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> oh, my I would do, do my hype yeah. video because oh. it would come completely out of left field. You wouldn't see it coming. It'd be fantastic. Uh, it'd be a lot of screaming. A lot of I'm okay with high-pitched it, voice. It, it fits well. The, the high pitch doesn't work, but the screaming works with my whole aesthetic. Somebody so said Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg is not a... That'd he's be very, funny. He for, the, is, for the right person. For wait, the right... Wait, depending on what you're doing... Yep. You're you're missing what it is. You have to go with a split screen combination hype video, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. No. They're fantastic together. They are. The, the, the charisma is unbelievable. Samuel L. Jackson. That'd be you, fun. You got to edit. You got to have an edit button on, yeah. on yeah. hand. Yeah. yeah. And I, we got a text. I just changed mine to George Clooney. Ah. George Clooney has a great voice. Yeah, he Clo- does. Clooney's a good one. Here's the thing if I was a lot more, if I was like Aaron Rodgers' level of like, you know, uh, where everyone hated me because I was, you know, pretentious as hell. I'd go with Matthew McConaughey because it would just fit the mm-hmm. aesthetic really well. I, I, I just lost. I, I lost my train of thought because I was thinking of something different, and they're going to go in a whole completely different direction. <laughs> best Batman, since you said George Clooney, who was the best Batman? Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> Michael Keaton. I think so too. Yeah. The, 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 yeah, the yeah. original Batman so, yeah. movie. Uh, I, see Christian Bale is good. Is, I, I like him. George Clooney, Val Kimmer. You can nah, no. This is why it's Michael good. Keaton. This is, is, why a, it's is good. a is is probably sneakily the best mm. answer that you can have. It, it it not bad. But here's the thing: you guys are missing one. This is why I'm, I'm glad I'm me here. One as the youngest here. <laughs> he just passed away over the weekend. Kevin Con- no Kevin Conroy was the voice of Batman across every animated property from the late 80s mm. through pretty much through the late 2010. So when I was a kid, there was a Batman animated show, mm-hmm. multiple of them, yeah. and he was Batman in every single one of them. That man, definitive Batman voice, ah. right there. R.I.P. Ah. Kevin Conroy. All right. Okay, good call. We, we get a text from the 618, and this is what I was thinking of last night, too. Denzel Washington, especially from Remember the Titans, oh, yeah. the, the, oh, yeah. the delivery there. Yeah. He was, he was, Denzel is amazing. Like, you, you, you get him, uh, he, he made me yeah. think that he, like, he was really a football coach in that movie. Yeah, like, he, he, he just, meant just, what he said. He just opens up the Denzel voice. Randy Carricker was perfect. <laughs> Every aspect of the game. It was great. Coming awesome. up on 101 ESPN, four downs. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. NFL Week 10 is complete. Time for four downs. So, Randy, I, I chose the Las Vegas Raiders, and here is a team that sits at 2-7. and seven. Um, They lost seven games last year in totality. They, they went to the playoffs. They were a playoff team last year, lost in the wild card. But this team has made a complete 
change of course from where they were or where they were expected to go um, from last season to this season. They are not nearly as good as they were. You bring in Devontae Adams. You think that him and Derek Carr, their relationship from college, their ability to know one another, offensively it hasn't been good. Defensively, they aren't playing as well as they have. Max Crosby is still playing well, but you bring in Chandler Jones and you think he's going to be the opposite end to to force those guys, that those quarterbacks, to have to be able to to, to pick a side or, or, or step up in the middle. He only has a half sack on the season. You have Derek Carr after last game. They lose to a interim coach in Jeff Saturday, who the whole uh, hubbub about him being hired as a head coach. He comes in with no coaching experience, not really a part of the team all season long, and they go and lose that game to the Indianapolis Colts. And Derek Carr, after the game, had some emotional words for for what he feels is going on with his team, what he feels is going on with this organization. And what he said was, there are guys in there that don't. it doesn't mean as much. And that, to me, is a is a a bright red flag <laughs> signal light things shining beeping alarms should be going off I don't know who he's talking about, but I know that when you have guys in your locker room that are not completely bought in that are not completely committed, it is frustrating as hell when you are one of the guys that are completely bought in that are completely committed and you have to find a way whether it's hey, this guy needs to be removed. This guy has to get out of here. This guy doesn't love this. He doesn't care about this as much as we do. And this is why we're losing. And so I don't know where the disconnect came in. I mean, you 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 changed head coaches uh, midseason last year. You brought in Basaccia, who, who, who became the head coach. And now you change head coaches again, going with Josh McDaniels, his third, second. Well, I guess you could say third, because he did take the coach job yeah. as a head coach. He is not doing a good enough job of finding ways for this team to win. I know Mark Davis, the owner, said that he's okay, but I cannot believe if I'm watching this Raiders organization, this Raiders football team, week in and week out, the way that they're losing games, they have stars, and the way that they're losing games, that that man, Josh McDaniels, is safe with his job going forward. CD, Josh McDaniels was here as the Rams offensive coordinator in 2011. Had been in Denver, obviously, as the head coach. He'd been with Brady and the the Patriots. And in being around him and then watching the way that he coordinated an offense, once we got to like the third or fourth game of the season, I was asking myself, what am I, what am I missing here? <laughs> uh, this guy's supposed to be great. And what he's doing is nonsensical. And it only went downhill from there. I mean, this is a guy that was calling bootlegs for Sam Bradford when Bradford had a high ankle sprain. It, and that that's part of the memorable thing. But he just didn't... It seemed to have a, a brilliant offensive mind. And what they said in Denver was that he wasn't a great leader. So how he... Well, I know how. It's because he worked for the Patriots and Belichick. But why he got another job is beyond me. One other thing about the Raiders... Talk about wasted years. And I liked Mike Mayock when he was uh, an analyst for yeah. the draft on the yeah. NFL Network. Clearly, he has no clue. Because I think every single draft choice that Mike Mayock made in uh, in three years in Oakland is gone. I think, is Farrell still there? See, oh, Cleveland yeah, Farrell, the he's the, the only one. And he that, was the fourth pick in the draft. Yeah. And then you drafted him above some guys that... that, that when I talk about when you look at the Jets, what they've drafted over the last three or four years, you're like, whoa! I can see why this team is where they are. Mm-hmm. And conversely, when you look at the Raiders and what they've drafted over those last four years, you can say, whoa! I can see where they are, why they are where they are. It is mind blowing when people get jobs and do it so poorly and and continue to yeah. be able to do it. it. They are they have not drafted well. They have not decided who to coach the team or lead the team well. And they are a dumpster fire right now in the AFC West. They are.
CD, a new greatest show on turf. Miami quarterback Tua Tagovailoa passed for 285 yards with three touchdowns and no picks for a 135 rating in the Dolphins' 39-17 win over Cleveland. Tua is the second player in NFL history with at least 275 passing yards, three touchdown passes, and a passer rating of 135 or higher in three consecutive games. Who's he join? Pro Football Hall of Famer Kurt Warner with the St. Louis Rams in 1999. The Rams have Bruce and Holt and Prohl and Akeem and, and Falk. They have Hill and Waddle and Trent Shelfield and, and so, Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> but at least Tua did something that only Kurt had done before. And Tua Tonga-Vailoa, right now, especially because they lost when he wasn't there, has to be in the MVP con- uh, discussion as we approach the, the closing of this season. He is he is playing well. And, and as you said, those three games that they lost, one, he got hurt versus the Bengals, so he didn't finish the game. And the next two games they lost, he didn't play he is a guy that coming into this season, you know what? I thought when Tyreek Hill was saying all of these wonderful things about him in the offseason, I thought it was just him trying to give his quarterback confidence and make him feel better because I'm coming from Patrick Mahomes and now I'm playing with, you know, Tua. It's not the same. Noodle arm. <laughs> but he is in the MVP conversation. He may be top three in that conversation with Jalen Hurst losing last night and Josh Allen losing over the weekend. You are starting to see a guy with so much confidence, with so much ability, and he has weapons. He has Waddle. He has Tyreek Hill. He has Gasecki, And now he has two running backs mm-hmm. in Mostert and Wilson who can handle some of that load, and they don't have to throw the ball as much. They are a very good football team, and for me to say that is surprising because I did not expect it, but it is it is because of Tua Tungvaloa. When you, over a three-game span, do something that only Kurt Warner has done, and he did it with the greatest show on turf, that's impressive. It is. Randy, the Chicago Bears have been searching for this position for as long as I have been alive. Maybe you could say Jim McMahon was that guy because they won a Super Bowl with him. But all in all, they have had, maybe they haven't had as many quarterbacks as the Browns, but close to it. They are, they are, they have been atrocious at this position for a long time. And they have a guy now in Justin Fields who I believe is going to lead them somewhere promising in the near future. This season, probably not, because he's still figuring things out. But over the last couple of weeks, this young man has done some spectacular things, both taking care of the football, not passing for a lot of yards, but getting the touchdowns. But running the football has been outstanding. A couple of weeks ago, he had the most rushing yards in a regular season game uh, since, was it Michael Vick? Mm -hmm. And, And so, and now, last week versus the they should have won <laughs> versus the the the, the uh, Detroit Lions. They lost. They took a tough loss late in the game, but he had an outstanding game again. 147 yards rushing, two touchdowns. 167 yards passing, two touchdowns. He is showing people that with the right coach, with the right staff, with the right things in, implemented for him in the scheme, he can be a very very good football player. And this franchise has been looking for this position for a long time, and I think they may have finally found it. Can he do the same things if you surround him with the right talent and build a defense? Can Justin Fields do the same things that Lamar Jackson has done for the last three or four years? Yes, yes. And and, and you feel like, I feel like, they're going to give him more help with the receivers because the backfield, I, I like what they do in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Montgomery and Herbert are a great combination for one another. They run the ball extremely well. 
and then you add his rushing ability to it. If they can find some receivers that can make some plays downfield for him, they went and got Chase Claypool. He's still figuring some things out. He's not he's not what he's going to be eventually. But I think that this team is a is in the right position. They got some guys over there. I'm 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 sick that they got rid of Roquan Smith mm-hmm. and 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 traded uh, Quinn away, but. They feel like they had they had to because they weren't going to pay him. So they got some draft picks. Hopefully this draft they can show s- some improvement on this defensive side and get him some guys that can go catch this football. They're going to be a very good football team. I saw that Cole Komet actually had some catches the other day. He did. I dropped him. He was stinking it up the first four or five weeks of the season. <sighs> All right, Kerry, I'm going to put a smile on every good St. Louisan's face this morning, okay? Only the Steelers and Browns have scored fewer points in the National Football League than the Los Angeles Rams. Well, the Los Angeles Rams have nine touchdown passes, three of them against the Falcons in game two, six in their other eight games. They're three and six on the season. They have seven rushing touchdowns. That's epically bad. Only the Titans, only the Tennessee Titans, I've never been known for great <laughs> offense, have fewer yards than the Los Angeles Rams. Yards per attempt in the passing game, 29th. Yards per attempt in the rushing game, 31st. Yards per play, yes, dead last for the Los Angeles Rams. First downs, 28th. I don't think, I don't think, as I sit here on November 15th, 2022, that Sean McVay is a genius. I, th- I think we're back to Ryan Seacrest coaching the Rams. <laughs> I don't know who claimed he was a genius. He I know. Did. Oh, well, maybe he did. You know, it, it is, um, I won't say it's frustrating because it's the L.A. Rams and they deserve right. what they get. You yeah. know, yeah. The, the fact that they are not able to pass the ball, they're not able to run the ball. Cam Akers was like, get, get me the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to be here. They stink. Like, it, 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 across the board, and for a guy like Aaron Donald, who has so much pride, has been an MVP so many years, this guy decided to come back. He was he was planning on retiring. I think mm-hmm. he was really thinking, like, I'm out of here. But they put the money on the table. Eh, okay, I'll come back. He didn't come back for this. He didn't come back to watch this show and watch what these young men, these old men, do mm-hmm. every single day on Sundays. It, it, is, it is terrible football. It is a it is a it is a disgrace to football watching what they do and, and how they're trying to do it. CD, there's a new thing in the NFL since the Rams left here. It's called the hold in, where players show up for camp so they don't get fined, but they don't participate. Yep. yep. Aaron Donald's a hold in. <laughs> He's not participating. <laughs> no, He's just no, there getting, getting paid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? It is what it is. Yep. You did it. Good for him. Good <laughs> he, for him. he actually deserves it. He did everything for that franchise. You go. Yeah. You got to pay him and and not even argue about it. It is what it is. Four downs in the NFL on 101 ESPN coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Take it or leave it is coming your way next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. It has been a wild ride 
for Tom Brady. We have that as we roll on here on 101 ESPN. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Carrie, Matthew, and Randy. And CD, report from pure people in Brazil that Giselle Bunchen, Brazilian supermodel, former wife of Tom Brady, already has a new boyfriend. Her jiu-jitsu instructor, Joaquim Valente. They were out Saturday, grabbed a bite to eat with two of Giselle's children, Benjamin and Vivian. She showed her stomach in a crop top and flowing black pants on a dinner date. And pure people reported that the pair are dating. Take it or leave it too soon. Uh, well, I, I guess there have been reports that they've been going through this for a long time. Mm-hmm. So longer than, than it's been in the public eye. So I, I can't say whether or not it's too soon. But... Take it or leave it. If you're Tom Brady, yeah, I mean, it, it stinks, and there's nothing well, you can do about it. I'll take that, yeah. Because, I mean, there's nothing worse than, you know, losing your girl to a guy that you probably can't beat up. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. The, the <laughs> jujitsu instructor you cannot <laughs> like, beat up. And you, 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 you get mad and angry and what, you know what, okay, all right. He hit you with something that puts you down for a couple of hours and you don't even know what's going on. So I think that's pretty tough for for Tom Brady to deal with. And apparently Tom knows Joaquin and had actually put up on social media his professed appreciation for the guy. Now he's deleted that. Yeah, Yeah, he didn't know. He didn't know that they were working on other things other than jiu-jitsu, huh? uh -uh. Not great. Uh, so st- sticking with the quarterback conversation, Randy, we talked about the Chicago Bears and their inability to find a position, a person to, to, to lead that position. For the last, since 1993, the Browns have had 17 passers, which were their top passers, as have the Chicago Bears. Take it or leave it, the Bears are in are, are as poorly coached at that position as the Browns are. And I'm gonna before you say that I'm gonna give you some names of their of the Bears top passers. Okay. Chad Hutchinson in in 2004 oh had 903 yards. Wow. Uh, Cordell Stewart had 1,418 yards in 2003. The great Jim Miller, 1944. This is three. These are three back to back years in 2002, 2003, 2004, uh, 1944. They had uh, Eric Kramer, not great. No. Um, Dave Craig. He was okay, serviceable. Jim Walsh, Dave Steve Craig Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Jim Harbaugh, Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh led them to the playoffs, right? They went like yeah, eleven they and five. Went, they they went nine and seven and made okay, it. Nine yeah. and seven. They they finished fourth in the Steve division. Walsh had the like these uh, okay, are Okay, I, I think it's the worst quarterback arm I've ever seen. <laughs> Kyle Orton, who actually almost had three thousand yards. Yeah. Uh, Rex Grossman, sexy Rexy, had, that did pretty well. So took him to the Super Bowl. They they lost, but these are these are some of the names that you have had in Bra- in Bears quarterback history. Here's the thing, because of that one year from Grossman, and the real X factor here is Jay Cutler. I'm going to yes, leave it. Yes, I'm going to leave it. Jay Cutler had eight, seven or eight years there. Yeah, so he was way better than anything that Cleveland had. I do agree with that. So okay, yeah, yeah, but it's still it's still terrible. Oh man, and even history? with Jay Cutler, they went to the playoffs one time. Yeah, once. 
with him at the, as their starting quarterback. And I don't think to this point, you have the list in front of you, I don't think that anybody has ever passed for 4,000 yards in a season for uh, Not in, no. Nate <laughs> uh, Cutler may have. And nah. I, he, he was, I think he got over three, right? Yeah, he got over three. I don't think anybody's ever passed for four in a he season. He got 3,666 3, one year. Yeah. Uh, they might be the only team in the league. 12 is yeah, no, Derek Anderson like... the only 4,000 yarder in Cleveland history? Derek Anderson had a hell of a year. Yeah, one year. probably. Yeah. Was that 06 or, or something like that? 07? Yeah. That was so uh, they went 10 and 6. Turner Ward used the word we want to get good. He gooder. had 38, 37, 87. Damn. Yeah. Uh, Derek Anderson came in here with the Jura Vicious and uh, the big receiver from Michigan, Braylon Edwards. Braylon Edwards, yep. And, uh, and lit up the Rams. And uh, so. Uh, Browns aren't too much better. No, I'm they aren't. Hey, uh, Kelly Holcomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not great. Not great. Uh, Jim Haslett had a, a corner that he brought in here that he liked named Fakir Brown. And he said, him. man, we knew their receivers were good, but they were gooder than we thought they were. <laughs> Brian Sipe has the only 4,000-yard passing wow. season in Cleveland Brown history. What year was that? Uh, 81, maybe? Yeah. It was, in fact, no, in 1980, 4,181, he wow. had 38. The next one is Bernie Kosar, number four, Baker Mayfield. How about that? That's, Baker man. That says a lot about getting another yeah. start this weekend. This is a, this is a, de- <laughs> yeah. this is a depressing, <laughs> depressing list when you look at it. Oh what do we got Lord. on the text machine? Uh, that's bad. This Hopefully this is better. Take it or leave it. Last night, Bennington's performance was why the Avs were nervous last postseason and told Kaji to take him out. Oh, totally take him out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave it. I don't think he told him to take him out. You think I had a hit hit out on Benny? Nah, we can't say that. I think Kadri may have had a personal hit. Really? Yeah, not the, not a team, but Connery's that kind of guy. Yeah, well, you got to punch guys like that in the face. Then. Yes, you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. Based on this season, I'm now prepared for eight losses. Oh uh, yeah, got to take that. Oh. Three, eight, three, eight. Yeah. Oh no, that's how you get a first. That's how you get the first overall no. pick right there. We're gonna win eight yeah. now. Yep, we're gonna win eight in a row. You you you, you putting you putting that down? It's, it's out there. It's on, it's wax. on it's, it is. It is on wax. Take it or leave it. Are the Blues a deep playoff team? The Blues are a deep playoff team when they are 100 percent healthy. Um, I'm I'm going to leave it. I don't know that they're a deep playoff team. Things could obviously change over the course of the next four months, but I would say that they are a playoff team if they stay healthy. They're they're only five points behind Colorado now. Playing the way that they played over the last couple of games. Do you does that change your because um, obviously you can't erase from your mind what you saw during that mm-hmm. eight, eight game losing streak? But playing these last three games does that change your opinion just a little bit that they yep. that they could be if they play this style of hockey because they're healthy? Yes. Yep. And what happened during the eight game losing streak? The big guys didn't play well at all. The big guys during these three games, it's been the big guys, the guys that you're paying a lot of money to, that are winning the games for yeah. you. One more? My apologies on that one. No problem. Yeah, no, we, I have to read this one. After see, Take it or leave it. After <laughs> seeing the success of the St. Louis Blues mom's trip, Zach Wilson will establish the first annual New York Jets mom's trip next year. Teammates will not be required to attend. 100% take, take it. it. Yeah, 100% take <laughs> it. <laughs> that guy that there. Be great. It's do amazing. Do we have any tickets to give away? I need to, I need to save that texture away because that might be one of the best teolies we've ever had. And I, and I had to get this one out as well. Take it or leave it. The Battle Hawks have more wins this season than the St. Louis, than the Los Angeles Rams. Take it. Yeah, they do. Yep. Absolutely take that one 100%. And by the way, the Blues have four points fewer than the Calgary Flames who sit with the final wild card spot at the moment. Thank right you, Matthew. There. It is November.
It is. Are we really talking? Are we really pulling out standings? Come on. You We're have right to. there. You have yep. to. Uh, what, what are you trying to do at the end of the season? Be somewhere make, in the make, top eight. Make the playoffs. playoffs. You got to know where you are. Especially in the playoffs. NHL. Especially in the NHL. Just make the dance. Got to know where you are. Coming up next, we've told our uh, people that we would have narrate our hype video. Want to hear from you? Text 65780. You can leave a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. Who is going to narrate your hype video like John Hamm did for Trey Turner? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Trey Vance Turner, a true superstar in today's game. This guy does it all. He can run, he can throw, he plays elite shortstop, he hits, he hits for power. You have the opportunity to change the direction of your franchise with a centerpiece, a player that gives you a chance to win every day with him at the top of your lineup. Focus now because the opportunity will pass you by in a flash. CAA client, St. Louis and John Hamm voicing the hype video for CAA client Trey Turner, formerly of the LA Dodgers. Pretty cool to have John Hamm voicing your hype video. Well, we want to hear from you. Who would you want voicing your hype video? Send us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. You can send us a text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. This one from the 314. Intriguing, Billy Bob Thornton. That is very intriguing. That, I would have to, what is he narrating? I think of Billy Bob. I don't think of a, of a guy that, you know, I think of it kind depends, of. Again, it, it, it depends on what you do yeah, yeah, and yeah. what you're trying to sell. <laughs> Uh, how about uh, how about this one? Do we have this thing up here? Oh, oh, yeah, uh, somebody here. says uh, they want Kelly Chase. Hey, buddy, we're here. If you want to get people fired up, yeah. Chaser's not a bad oh, way to go. And 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 is uh, sure is very willing to be aggressive when he's saying what he's saying. So it's not a problem there. Depending on what you are, what you are going after, mm-hmm. or who you who you're talking to. So you went with. As I went with Morgan Freeman. More, that's a great call. Morgan Freeman is is my my choice. I made a late switch thanks to the text line to George Clooney and Matthew Rocchio. Who are you going with? I was messing around, obviously, when I chose uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Obviously, I, I can't I can't legitimately roll with Gilbert Gottfried. That would be absolutely ridiculous. No. My legitimate one, and this is going to actually be crazy because I am actually going to go with a comedian still. He's controversial now. But I love his voice is iconic in every single possible way. I want Dave Chappelle oh, voicing, my, voicing, voicing my hype video. That's who I want. The voice is iconic. The the, the I mean he could he could, Matt he could, he could talk in his in his you know his, his stereotypical white guy voice would be hilarious. I, I I love Dave Chappelle. I could listen to him all day. One texter wants this. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? Nah. I mean if you Nero. if you write Pacino Pacino if you write a very specific video. I hate how good it would be because I, I hate I hate like post, you know, 
I hate, I hate like anything post crazy Pacino where he's just yelling and screaming every time he's in, in a role. But I mean, if you write it right, if you write it correctly, it would hit. Mm-hmm. It would hit. I've been around, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, it's like I mean, as long as you stay, away, yeah, just it's it's a good stay away from anything that's too scent of a woman. And I'm cool with it. That Dennis Haysbert is is on here. He, oh, the, good the, call. The, he, that is uh, that that voice mm-hmm. is an outstanding voice. He, he President is, Palmer from 24. Yeah, I show, very good voice. Man. I showed um, Carrie this one. Some people might know the name Keith David. Yeah, who's both a voice actor and an actual live action actor, and he's just he's one of those that guys. If if you've ever seen an African American actor with a super gruff voice and an awesome like. Salt and pepper beer, yeah. and who's not like the Allstate guy? That's who I'm talking about. Google Keith David, you will immediately be like, "Oh, that guy." Yeah. He's one of those, and mm-hmm. his voice is perfect. Honestly, he'd be in the running as well for me. He's the, a perfect voice, and that's why he's been in everything across like 30 years. A couple of people from the six three six want me to do it, and I'm happy to, you'd, to you'd, help out. You would you'd be, be awesome. You you would you would bring so much energy and so a, energy. A, a perspective that would pe- people would uh would enjoy. You should do that for maybe that could be a, a holiday yeah. thing. You can, I'll, I'll do somebody's hype. Yeah, yeah, there you go. As a Christmas you should, present. You, 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 you need to put together an entrance video for like somebody to walk into Christmas, like the family Christmas, <laughs> with Randy Carter <laughs> voicing their entrance video yeah. from the five seven three. Sean Connery, R.I.P. Sean Connery had a great voice. Yeah, he and did. Just his yeah. that, yeah. that brogue. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that. What? I, I like Sean Connery. Called it a brogue. Yeah, I like brogue. that. I liked that. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. How about Coach Holtz? <laughs> mm. No. <laughs> I would like people to understand my... Yep. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Leave, leave. I love Coach Holtz. I'm just saying, why do we love Morgan Freeman? Why do we love the guys that we're saying? Because the the, the, the diction is perfect, and you hear every word crisply. That's all I'm saying. I understand that. That's all I'm saying. I love Coach Holtz, but come on. Several Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott is yes. a great delivery. Keeper Sutherland is one that I hadn't thought of. That's see. My problem is if halfway through the hype video, if it's too intense, I'm gonna be like, "Cool, cool hype video." Are my fingernails about to be torn off my my hand? That's the that that is the the I. It depends on again. It depends on what the hype video. Where exactly. are we going? But, like, what are we doing? There this are a lot of but the genesis here. of this for the specific Trey Turner video, I don't know. They could have done better than John Hamm. Correct. I, I think Keeper Sutherland, Sutherland is a great choice too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 yeah, you can Kiefer go with Sutherland's him. good. I didn't even think about that one. Not a big twenty four guy. Jack Bauer is is listen. If you <laughs> hey hey, Jack Bauer is one of the best people ever, best characters ever go, on a TV show. I, I, I did, you know. Ooh, speaking of that, okay, you uh, made me think. Uh, James, here's, here's why I'm laughing. Because what he did, now, it probably was not something that was approved by the U.S. government. Jack Bauer was a U.S. government agent. Correct. But he did shoot President Logan's wife in the knee. <laughs> probably not the best thing. But he got the information he, he did. To one of the best, TV, I gotta watch Jack. I gotta watch Show Twenty Four again. TV oh, monologuers ever who would be incredible for a hype video. Boston Legal, The Blacklist, James Spader. Oh, would be an incredible mm. voiceover for a hype video. It, again, it would be a little bit more like Kiefer. It'd be a little bit more threatening. James Spader is when The Office jumped to the shark. <laughs> oh yeah, Robert California is yep. bad. 
That's that's a that's yeah. a that's a fair point. And from the six one eight, we, we have multiple uh, Danny Mac suggestions, which I think is absolutely yes. legit. Too. Danny Mac would be awesome as well. He'd be true. And Bob Costas is, uh, from yeah. the four seven nine is in there. Somebody said the voice, uh, the guy from Mufasa from The Lion King. That's James Earl Jones. It is James yeah. Earl Jones. <laughs> and I, I don't. I haven't heard. I know he's nine. Is he alive? Dead or I alive? He's James Earl Jones. He's, he's still, still alive. alive. Yeah. Okay. Does he have the fastball anymore? Uh, that's a good question. Anybody yeah. watch CNN? This is CNN. I don't. I don't. I don't know. No, I don't either. Is it James Earl Jones who recorded that originally? Uh, he's apparently. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, uh, he's the one who recorded this. Is CNN? How old is this? It? Is CNN? Ninety-one no years idea. old. Ninety-one. Third turns ninety-two on January seventeenth, and I hope the the voice is still there. I, I love him. Another great movie from Harrison Ford uh, is Patriot Games. Yes, and he's he's. Harrison Ford is just—he's he, a very good actor. You won't see a, a movie. I don't—I haven't seen a movie, a Harrison Ford movie that I didn't like. Yeah. Uh, there you have it. Thank you very much for joining us on the Fresh Take with your takes. Yes. I thought you didn't like Star Wars. Star Wars gotta have. Why would I not like Star Wars? I don't know because you always make fun of it. No, I love the Enterprise. I think it's great. God, see, this is the problem. <laughs> I, I, to me, the Son captain, the captain guy, the Kirk, the see, uh, Kirk, he's great. <laughs> the ears the captain, that Spock yeah. had. I think that's fantastic. Saying there are there are a couple Harrison Ford movies you're apparently not a fan of. I, I think more Indiana Jones when I think Harrison Ford. Me too. Than than, than anything else. I have, and I don't. The fifth one I never have seen. I got to check it out. But I have the the four in a box on oh, yeah. on Blu-ray. Yeah, oh, see, so, can't go wrong with that. Cannot. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, our weekly visit with Claves, Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line where Mike Claiborne is standing by. And I would guess a morning like this morning probably causes Mike Claiborne to think about getting down to Jupiter, Florida. Am I right? Uh, you are spot on, my friend, but I'm going to go further south than Jupiter. Oh, what <laughs> do we got going on? I'm out of here soon. Trust me. <laughs> uh, you know, when I see snow, man, I got to go. I uh, know. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, but I had something planned, but after today, I I know this was the right decision to make. So I'm looking forward (laughs) to seeing something warmer than what I'm seeing now. Proud of you. Proud of you. All right, Michael, uh, next season, the opener for the 2023 campaign, the St. Louis Cardinals, and uh, they're going to open up, let me get the schedule here, against, let me get us to uh, the end of March, the Blue Jays here in St. Louis on March 30th. Is Brendan Donovan the leadoff hitter for that game? Uh, I say no. Who do you got? Uh, I'm hoping it's Trey Turner. Me too. Speaking yeah. of speaking of Trey Turner, we just had a John Ham did a a, hype, a video. hype video for Trey Turner for all the teams to to take take in and and listen to. So we were we had questions on the text line. Who would be the person that does Mike Claiborne's hype video? Gosh, that's a good question. I guess I got to think about what I'd be hyped for at this point. Uh, <laughs> man, that's, that's, you know, Terry, that's a good question, man. I, I'd have to think on that one for a minute. So we're, we're trying to uh, sell Mike Claiborne to 
an electronic medium and whether it's radio or TV and give the history and what Mike Claiborne has done well over his career. John Hamm was perfect for, for Trey Turner. CD picked Morgan Freeman to do his. I picked George Clooney to do, to do mine. I'm trying to think of who would be great huh. for Mike Claiborne. And Matthew picked Boy. Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> uh, you know, I want one of those blasts from the past voices like John Facenda. Great or, call. Uh, let me see. Who else? James Earl Jones? James Earl Jones would be good. i tell you the guy who used to be the voice of Fox, Michael LaFontaine, I believe his name was, or something along that line. You know, he did all the lines for them. Somebody like that. <laughs> that, that is awesome. So, so if we were to to get Trey Turner, um, does do you feel that that blocks Mason wins, um, you know, appearance into the majors at some point? No, I don't think so. I, I think uh, when you figure out what positions he can play, I mean, this young man is a baseball player who happens to be ver- versatile. So, you know, I, I think you can get creative with him. Um, you know, and there's a lot of other things that can go on between now and the time he arrives. Because once he once he's here, you have to make sure he's going to be here for good. Uh, you know, we've seen the Memphis show take place where guys have to go out. I kind of think that may change, though. But I, I think we'll find somewhere for him to play. Mike, I, I have said all along that we shouldn't get our hopes up because signing a free agent like Trey Turner would be a tremendous behavioral change for the Cardinals. It's just not – hasn't been – in their DNA. You're on the club every day, and you, you talk to people in the front office. Do you think the DNA might be changing a little bit? Well, I, I think it might, and, and I don't have any inside information, but I just think that when you look at the makeup of the team, you got two cornerstone players that are in the prime or either barely on the other side of it. Uh, I say that about a guy who's going to win the most valuable player award, and I only say that because of age. And then you have some other guys who are really starting to step up and, and really make contributions. You know, I, I think if you're ever going to do it, this would probably be it. Um, because, you know, in the past, free agent signings have not been that good for the no. card. You think about Dexter Fowler and Brett Cecil and some other guys that have come through here via Mike that Lee. route. Yeah. So, you know, they've been really good at making good trades. But yeah, I don't know. I won't say Trey Turner's a generational guy. But I really think when you look at where the game is going and how it's going to have a different look uh, without the shift, uh, encouraging base stealing, uh, things of that nature. Uh, and you've got a lot of guys who hit behind him who can move runners on. You know, moving runners on and going from first to third or going from uh, stealing second and then scoring from first or uh, second base, that that's going to come into vogue. And plus, he's a good fielder. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think you've got a lot of different options here with him as far as how he lengthens your lineup. Now, if you can make a trade, get Sean Murphy as your catcher, uh, I think you'd have a good start on a pretty good lineup that you can go out and feel comfortable about in 2023. Mike, this is a really bad way to evaluate a player in 2022. But Trey Turner could have played for the Cardinals in the 80s. And if he could have played for the Cardinals in the 80s, he can play yeah. for me. Yeah, I don't know where he would have played. He wouldn't have been the shortstop in the 80s. But Probably we would have not. Somewhere for him to play. <laughs> yeah. We'd have found somewhere for yeah, him. Well, he can play. Well, he can play. He could have been the right fielder. They, you know, they had Hendrick in '82, but after that, it was kind of a yeah, revolving door and right. Guys come yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, we had a lot of guys at right field. That, that was kind of like I wouldn't call it a throwaway position, but you know, every team has a position where it's it's pretty fluid. Uh, second base used to be there for the Cardinals, and still might be. 
Um, but in, in the 80s, yeah, right field, we saw a bevy of players out there. 1987, they played 10 guys out there. Mm. Ten, Jose Okendo was one of them. He played a lot out there, too. Yeah, that's, <laughs> right. that's right. Hey, Claves, if, if they do decide to go with a Trey Turner, do you see them also going in the free agency market for a catcher, or is that more uh, you looking for trade possibilities or, or maybe not one of those guys like Contreras? I think you're looking for a trade. Uh, okay. You don't want to throw too much money into a situation in free agency uh, because you have some assets you could probably move in order to get some other players via the trade route. Um, and, and, again, they've been better at trades than they have free agency. There have been a couple of trades that didn't go well, but, you know, that happens. I'm, I'm sure for every time you bring up a Rosarino or Al- Alcantara, I can also bring up Goldschmidt and Arenado. So, I mean, you know, you're going to have those balances when it comes to certain methods of transactions. Hey, Claves, if you're looking at trade partners and, and say Sean Murphy is one of those guys, are you willing to trade uh, Brendan Donovan if, if that's what it requires to get a guy like that? Oh, well, I don't know. I, I kick the tires and just see what, what they what they are in need of. And I think you have to look at their roster and figure out. And obviously Donovan would be attractive because he can play multiple positions. But I, I think we probably have to look at the Oakland roster to see what do they really need other than a guy that doesn't cost a lot of money. Claves, a lot going on with Claves Online. The Billikens are in full swing. Mizzou heading down the stretch here with their football season, getting ready for, to get into full swing with basketball. So I know you've got a lot going on. Yeah, we do. Uh, of course, we have the two-man game with Rocky O and Grammer. That, that comes your way this week. Uh, we have uh, – her love with Howard Richards, who Carrie's been a guest on that particular podcast, and uh, certainly a lot of hockey. Uh, Kevin Weeks scheduled to join us, I believe, Thursday, and Alex Royal will talk about the Blues, who I understand the Blues mothers are going to be on the sidelines for the Missouri game. Okay, Claves, 87. The Cardinals actually started 10 right fielders. They played 12. Kurt Ford, wow. Jim Lindeman, John Morris, Okendo, Lance Johnson, Tito Landrum, David Green, Tony Pena started a couple of games out there in right. Tom Lawless started a game in right. Jack Clark started a game in right. The two players that played right field but didn't start games, Ricky Horton and Todd Worrell. Todd Worrell, yeah, I remember that. I remember that game. when Whitey was juggling guys back and forth, putting them in right field. Uh, I don't know how Horton got out of right field. I didn't know he could throw that throw that far. <laughs> I mean, we knew he didn't have a lot of velocity, but, you know, playing right field, I mean, I can understand Worrell out there because, I mean, he was throwing 98-plus at that time. But I guess Ricky was out there for one at bat or something. He was out there for a full <laughs> inning. You know what? I got to ask him about that because I, re- I remember Worrell being out there. Yeah, that, that's so they could bring in daily because remember it was lefty right. Might that's have been against right. the Mets. It might have been. Um, I think it was Hernandez, Carter, Strawberry. Todd comes in. Uh, no, because that's when Daly played right field. So it must have been another lefty righty lefty situation when when Morell was out there for a third of an inning. I, I got to ask him about that because I don't remember that one. I'm, I'm pretty good at that, but, but I would thought I would remember Ricky Horton being in the outfield. Hey, Claves, did you catch any football this weekend? I, man, that's all I did. Did you? I, I, I was camped out, man. So you saw the catch by Justin Jefferson. Oh my goodness! So, Probably as good of a catch, but I'll tell you, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. had oh, one yeah. in the Ohio State game. Yeah, too. he did. His whole body was out of bounds, and one foot was. St- I don't know how he contorted his body that way to to keep one foot in bound while the rest of his body was was in the out of bounds area. 
I'm, I'm amazed at what these young men can do today when, on the football field, uh, the concentration that they have. You know, and apparently these gloves that they wear, they're like magnets, man. I mean, <laughs> we, we, we dealt with stick'em, but now that these gloves that they have now, if you're within the area code of the ball, you're going to normally bring it down. But it, it, was, it was phenomenal to watch him and some of these other young players in the country that are really mastering that one-handed catch. All right, Claves, I got it for you. August 7th, Cardinals at Philadelphia. It was a 15-5 loss. And mm. so Ricky played the ninth inning there in right field of a 15-5 Sacri- loss. Sacrificial lamb. Here, <laughs> That's exactly what we're saying. Uh, yep. Okay, taking one for the team. Yep. Hey, Claves, always good to talk to you. And we advise people to check out your cool material at Claves Online. And all it's on the, all the socials. Just look for Claves Online. Have a great day and enjoy the trip wherever it's to. All right, fellas, don't forget uh, Dr. Rick's podcast as well. Always interesting stuff he has to put out also you can check out. All right. Thank you, sir. Take care. Okay. Take care. That is the great Mike Claiborne joining us here on 101 ESPN. So in that game, John Tudor was used as a pinch hitter. Yeah. So And uh, and Ricky played the last inning out there in right field. Let's see. Uh, John Morris played both right and center field. Rod Booker played second base. Okendo was a pinch hitter, shortstop, and pitcher in that game. So uh, Willie McGee played shortstop in that game. Oh, my goodness. How about that? Jim Lindemann played first. Uh, Yeah, so guys were getting around. Interesting. So, quite a game, August seventh, nineteen eighty-seven. It was the eighties. You, you had was. you said Tony Pena played a, played right field at yeah. one point. That is, isn't that amazing? That is so that right field that year was a black the card black hole. the uh, The Cardinals had traded Andy Van Slyke to get okay. Pena, and they really they thought Jim Lindemann was going to be the guy, and he got a bad back, and so they wind up using a dozen guys out there. Wow! The fight is next on one hundred and one ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and we are ready for the fight. Rock, are you ready? Oh, Kerry, I'm always ready for the fight. I'm confident in three out of my four questions today. Three out of four. Yeah, I think I might get made fun of for one of them. All right. I'm just trying to be honest, Kerry. There's no need. There's no need to throw up a wall between us and the listeners. Let's let them in. Let's let them in a little bit on the process. Okay, I understand. Dylan, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You ready to go? Oh, yeah. All right, Dylan. Here we go. Ron Rivera is the second coach in the Super Bowl era to beat two teams that were 8-0 or better. Which St. Louis Cardinals coach is the other one? Don Coriel, Charlie Winner, or Jim Hannafin? Uh, what was the second one? Charlie Winner. Let's go with Charlie Winner. Billikens face off against the Memphis against Memphis Tigers today. What is former star and current Memphis basketball head coach Penny Hardaway's given first name? Is it Anthony, Percy, or Anthony? Well, let's go with Percy. All right, Dylan. Three different Cardinal managers have been named Manager of the Year. Tony Larusa and Whitey are the easy answers, but who is the third? Mike Matheny, Mike Schilt, or Johnny Keane? 
Uh, Mike Schilt. Which current Cardinals player is a former Arizona Fall League MVP? Was that Tyler O'Neill, Brendan Donovan, or Nolan Arenado? Uh, let's go with Nolan. All right, double-checking the score here with Kerry. We will wave in Randy right off the bat. Dylan, how do you feel you did? Uh, I'm 50-50 on that one. 50-50? All right, well, we'll see how we, – we're trying to find Randy. We we don't know where he is. We're trying to locate him. Uh, I think we found him now. <laughs> All right. Uh, you, you feeling okay, though, Dylan? Yeah. yeah not not great? No, no. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, Dylan, it, it's hard. I mean, it's you hear it on the radio, you play along, you probably get three out of four right whenever you're in your car, and then as soon as you get on the phone here in the, in, with us in the studio, the dynamic just completely flips over, and now you got Megamind walking in. It just completely changes how you feel about the fight. Came in very confident, too, to Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You betcha. All right, Randy, say hello to Dylan. Hi, Dylan. Good morning. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. How you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Good to have you with us. All right, Randy, here we go. Thank you. Ron Rivera is the second coach in the Super Bowl era to beat two teams that were 8-0 or better. Which St. Louis Cardinals coach is the other one? Hmm. Okay, well, Cardinals didn't do a lot of winning. <laughs> you know. um, Gene Stallings didn't. Jim Hannafin did not. I don't think we ever faced... Uh, we certainly didn't knock off... An undefeated 8-0 team, we being the uh, the big red under Bud, Bud Wilkinson or Don Coriel. Bob Holloway went 4-9-1 in his years as the, the coach. So I think you're going back now. You're going old school probably because they were good for a while in the 60s under Charlie Winter. And since I don't recall that happening, and Charlie Winter was before my time because he was pretty good, there were some good teams back in those days. I'm going to go with Charlie Winner. Ready? Billikins face off against the Memphis Tigers tonight. What is former star and current Memphis basketball head coach Penny Hardaway's given first name? It's not Penny? It is not nope. Penny. It's Anferny. Anferny Hardaway. Played here in the uh, the old Coca-Cola Classic that they had over at the, the arena. Man, he was... In fact, I would say that Penny... Was that the senior in high school one? Yeah. I, yep. that, that was the one that a bunch of different NBA stars. Oh, yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh, and Earl Austin will have a much better memory of this than me. But I, w- I would say Hardaway and Kenny Anderson were probably the two best performers. Ke- Kevin Garnett was pretty guard, good, too. So, <laughs> Ronnie Fields, we'll get oh, to him. Oh. We'll, get in, <laughs> we'll oh. dig into that a little bit later because yeah, was, I was at that one. We had some performances, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. All right, ready. Three different Cardinal managers have been named Manager of the Year. Tony La Russa and Whitey are the easy answers, but who is the third? Three different Cardinals have been, Mark managers have been Manager of the Year. In history, that's it? Wow, I had no idea that there were only three. Um, well, Schilte got it right. Didn't Schilte get it when they uh, when they went to the playoffs in 2019? I thought he did. Um, I don't think Mike ever got it. 
I don't know if they had the manager of the year back in the day. I don't know when manager of the year started. I will give you that one. Okay. First uh, award manager of the year across both leagues was 1983. Okay. Good. So that rules out Johnny Keene, who took the Cardinals to a World Series, and Red Chandins, who took the Cardinals to a World Series, and was fired in 1976. So we're talking Whitey. It wasn't Tory, clearly. It was uh, Whitey, Tony. And I don't think Mike got it when they won 100 games, so I'm going to go with Schilte. Which current Cardinals player is a former Arizona Fall League MVP? Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I'll do the old lifeline on this one. Is it Tyler O'Neill, Brendan Donovan, or Nolan Arenado? Okay, I don't know if Arenado was playing in the minors at the same time they had the Arizona Fall League. So I'm going to leave him out. So that gives me Tyler and Donovan. I don't think Donovan got it. I think we would have heard more about that. So I'm going to go with Tyler O'Neill. This is a tough fight today, and we have a tie mm. with Randy Carricker and our listener, Dylan. So, as we always do this, I will read off the question. We're going to give Randy Carricker a moment to write down his guess, and then we will have Dylan answer his guess, at which point we will voice what Randy Carricker's guess is. Dylan, do you understand those rules, and are you ready for the question? Let's let it. Let's see it. All right. So, uh, last Thursday when I was not here, you guys also went to a tiebreaker, and it was mm-hmm. a very good tiebreaker because Randy was right on top of Whitey Herzog's win total in his career, and the listener was only like nine or ten back from Randy's guess. It was pretty incredible. So, branching off of that last extra a- extra answer, we're going to go to this one. You know, he did just over twelve hundred wins total as a manager. So, my question here today is, what is Whitey Herzog's Cardinals career win total? What is Whitey Herzog's Cardinals career win total? Randy Carricker, write down your guess now, sir. Okay. I will go with... All right. This number right here. All right. And Dylan, what is your guess? Um, let's go with 789. I cannot believe with 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 the big numbers I put in some of these questions how close the listeners and Randy consistently get to each other. This was another one that was incredible. He he guessed seven eighty nine. Randy, your guess was what? Seven ninety six. Just a difference in seven. I believe it was a difference in nine on Thursday. The listener did not win that one. Was this difference? Enough. Did Randy Carricker get it correct? Was he closest to the pin? Or will we have a returning fighter tomorrow? Ring that bell. Just win, baby. There it is. Randy Carricker wins it on the tiebreaker. 796, a little bit closer to the correct answer than 789 of 822 was Whitey Herzog's Cardinals win total. I'm sorry, Tyler. You took Randy to the tiebreaker with a 2-2 tie in the first four questions, but Randy did get you a little bit closer to the pin in the extra credit in the tiebreaker. Before we let you go, though, let's go through his answers. Ron Rivera is the second coach in the Super Bowl era to beat two teams that were 8 or better, which former St. Louis Cardinals coach is the other one. Don Coryell did beat the 8 0 Cowboys in 1977 mm-hmm. as the head coach of the Cardinals, and then went on to beat the 11 0 Dolphins when he was with the Chargers in 1984. Oh, I, was, I 
thought it was my for the Cardinals. My, but, he, but it was 77 against the Cowboys. Got it. Uh, November, they did beat the 8-0 Cowboys. Anthony Dean Hardaway is Penny's given name. Anthony is the first name for Penny Hardaway. Randy got that one correct. It is Mike Schilt, who is the third ever Cardinals Manager of the Year, of course, only been given since 1983. He won it in 2019. And Nolan Arenado, just the third year they were giving out the award for the Arizona Fall League, the 2011 Arizona Fall League MVP was Nolan Arenado. So a 2-2 tie, and then Randy beats Dylan with that tiebreaker again. Whitey Herzog's career win total for the Cardinals was 8-22. Dylan, thank you so much for joining us today for the fight. Uh, thank you, guys. Great job. That is Dylan on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Billikens in action against the aforementioned Penny Hardaway and Memphis tonight. And the Bills head coach, Travis Ford, is with us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, St. Louis University basketball in action tonight against Memphis. Still tickets available? Go to slewbillikins.com. It's an 8 o'clock start. Don't forget the late start. The Billikens coach, Travis Ford, joins us this morning here on 101. Good morning, Coach. How you doing? Good morning, guys. Doing great. Appreciate you having me on. All right. We want to start with this because we've been talking uh, just a little bit about the, the old St. Louis shootout. Your dad was a, a coach in Kentucky as you were growing up. Were you aware of, did you remember the, the shootout here in St. Louis where the best high school teams and players would come in and there, there would be a showcase with like seven or eight games at the old arena? Oh, absolutely. Uh, remember it well. It was well known across the country. Uh you know, that was the tournament you wanted to be in, and uh, it brought the best teams, the best players. Um, yeah, I, I can remember it well, for sure. Hey, Coach, when you think about that time, and, and this is probably just any any memory of it, my, my memory of Ronnie Fields, who was one of the best basketball players I had seen at the time with Kevin Garnett, when you think about just your, your history of watching basketball and recruiting kids, who is one of the best players you've ever seen uh, play or recruited? Oh, goodness. Uh, it can go back to players I've played against. Uh, Sean Kemp, uh, you know, Chris Jackson, who turned his name into Abdul mm-hmm. Ooh, on that. Chris Jackson, probably one of the best players I ever played against. Just impossible to guard, literally impossible to guard. Sean Kemp was one of the best high school players I've ever seen play. I would, though, you mentioned the name Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Garnett was phenomenal, uh, obviously through his whole whole career. Uh, but in high school, he was dominant. Uh, Shaq, I played with Shaq in the summer. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, uh, he, you know, one game he broke the backboard, he broke the rim. We were in a game, uh, and actually, Penny Hardaway was on this team. Penny, who we played against tonight, Penny was on our team. Uh, different things like that. He broke the backboard, and I can remember the people coming out and say he actually split the bolts in half. Wow. Uh, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. But, yeah, uh, I, I've been fortunate to play with some great players, against some great players, coach against great players. Um, yeah, it, it goes way back. Okay, so Coach Travis Ford has a player come up to him during a game and says, Coach, this guy's just impossible to defend. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> no one's impossible. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> so, hey, uh, Kerry was at the game. I, I didn't have a chance to get there on Saturday. But I, I know that just in seeing some highlights that you you weren't thrilled with the way things went in the first half. What happened in the second half against Evansville? 
Well, you know, we got up to a big lead early, I think 14 to 2 or something like that. And then we got very complacent, uh, extremely complacent, became very flat. Uh, you know, they made five threes under 10 minutes in the first half under the 10 minute mark. And uh, just uh, it, it woke us up at halftime. Uh, we made a few defensive adjustments, but uh, it's just getting their attention to understanding how how hard you had to play for the whole half uh, in the whole game. It, you can't turn it on like a light switch and, you know, play when you feel like it and uh, things like that. And we've had a little bit of issue with that in practice, things like that. Uh, so we've got to get that fixed very, very quickly. Hey, Coach, when I was at the game, I'm watching you on the sideline, and it seems like you're you're living and dying with every possession. If a, if a guy doesn't slide and move his feet, he's reaching. I see you sliding like you're trying to will him to do the job. Is that how you feel while you're, while you're coaching out there? Like, come on, guys, I know you know what to do. We just got to get it done. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm into it, say the least. Uh, I, I know you've seen it, but uh, – you know, I coached through a lot of feel. Obviously, I've played the game my whole life. I've been around it my whole life. And uh, my guys know I'm into the game, and I'm coaching every possession. Um, and, you know, uh, trying to bring great energy to my guys as well, trying to give them that energy, uh, know that we're all behind them over there on the bench, and, you know, we're, we're going to make adjustments, do what we need. But, yeah, no question, I, I'm into it a little bit probably. Memphis has a tough matchup tonight in DeAndre Williams, don't they? Extremely tough matchup. That's a good point. Uh, you know, people talk about Kendrick Davis, who was, you know, a great player in the country uh, and different guys. But, uh, yeah, Williams is a, has been a great player for Memphis for several years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's been a staple for their team. He's played a ton of minutes, started every year, uh, and is a miss that can put it on the floor at six, seven, six, eight, can post you up at six, seven, six, eight, really crashes the, the glass. Uh, a really, really good player for them, no question about it. Uh, you know, one of the better players. Hey, Coach, so what are some of the keys for you all tonight in order to get the victory? What, what, what are some of the traps that you all that you have talked to your teams about staying out of and, and, and the things you need to do to win? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, two good teams going at it. Uh, they're obviously ultra, ultra talented and uh, got returning players and added some great transfers, some of the best transfers in the, in the portal. Uh, they were able to get. and uh, so This is two teams that like to run it up and down the court. Uh, we both like to play aggressive and fast. and uh, you know they, they love to run it up and down. We just got to make sure we're good in transition, make sure we're taking good shots on our end. And uh, you know This is a team that loves to get it in the paint, try to keep the ball out of the paint, which is tough to do. This is, a, again, like I said, a really talented team that's got a lot of pieces. They got great point guards, great shooters on the wing. A big man inside that's a, a load in Dandridge. He's he's just big and talented. So uh, yeah, we've got a hands full, but uh, you know, excited to be able to play a good team this early. Hey Travis, you told us before your first game that Perkins was still kind of finding his way from a, a physical standpoint. How's he coming along? He's coming. I, I tell you, I've been I've been pleased with uh, you know with his progress. Uh, as I said, it's still it's still going to go on through. You know, we hope he gets back to 100 percent by mid December or so. Uh, and you know, but I, I've been very pleased with it. I think he's shown glimpses of uh, of the old Javante. Um, you know, but again, it's just about playing time and uh, getting his uh, getting his feet wet a little bit out there because uh, you know after setting out a year, it's it's you know it's not going to come back overnight. 
Hey, when you were describing Memphis, it sounded like you were describing your team. Up and down, can shoot, got a big man down in the middle. Do you see a lot of yourself in what they do uh, as a team? We do. It's it's we we've said that. There's a lot of similarities. We both like I said, we both like to play fast and uh, you know score a lot of points and. Uh, things like that, but yeah, I think there's a lot of lot of similarities. I think your team, in just watching them here in these first couple of games, they really seem to feed off the early crowds, the emotion that the the, the crowds have brought you. We've had great crowds, I tell you, starting with our opener against Murray State and Evan Saturday night at Evansville, I thought was really good, and it makes such a difference. I tell you, it makes a difference for our team. But also, I think everybody, when you come to Chaffetz Arena, I think you do have a good time. Uh, you know, our administration does a great job of putting on the game, you know, the, the video boards and, you know, the, the starting line of fires and all that stuff. It's a great place to come see a game. It really is. I've been to all the different places, and Chaffetz Arena is just a fun place to be a part of, and it's an electric atmosphere. And anybody I've ever talked to that comes for the first time always says the same thing, wow, what a great time I had, what a – fun place to be a part of so hopefully we can keep packing it uh it makes a difference and uh you know it 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 really helps our team and a fun team to watch tickets available tonight and an eight o'clock start does anything change for you with the routine when you start an hour later no not really you know uh you know it's a long day i'm still at the house this morning uh so you, you know you try to shorten the day a little bit uh uh you know, not really. I'll head in here in a few minutes. We had a set staff meeting that we meet and go over again game plan, make sure we're all on, on point, and make sure we're all on the same page as the staff and go through all the game day stuff. And then we'll have shoot around this afternoon at 3 o'clock. We always have it five hours before the game because we eat pregame meal four hours before the game. But uh, no, nothing really changes, not that much. Coach, good luck tonight. Thanks so much for the time this morning, and we'll talk to you soon. Always enjoy, guys. Have a great day. Appreciate you having me. Thank you, Travis. That's the head coach of the Billikens, Travis Ford, here on 101 ESPN. And it is a fun team that he has to watch. Yeah, it was it was exciting to go watch them play Evansville the other day. And, and they do. They're up and down, up and down the court with speed, great passing, great shooting. Um, and they have a they have a really good really good basketball team that that does a really good job. Javante is a little bit like Clay Thompson right now, where it's like he doesn't—he's not really dribbling the ball, but he's still scoring it in bunches yeah. every time. Every time he touches it, it's maybe one or two dribbles. I think the the, the favorite play I've had from Javante. Obviously, I think a lot of people are going to focus on the fact that he's hitting the three at a crazy rate and, and, and hitting catch and shoot ones. But I think the biggest play was one of the few ones where he really did put it down on the floor against Murray State and went through contact and finished four layup, got the and one. Him taking that contact and landing like that. He said he's had enough contact where it didn't really affect him mentally and he wasn't thinking about it. He knows everybody else was. But you got to think just, you know, it's not Europe and it's Murray State. It's real. You're back in Chaffetz. Mm-hmm. You got to think that there was something going through his head the first time he really put that that ball down and tried to drive hard to the hole. He's looking great. If this is him at 78, if this is him at 80, 85%, then everything we expected from him at 100% is going to be right there. This will be a tournament team if they stay healthy. They're fun to watch. Check them out tonight. Coming up, the Blues have won three in a row. What are they saying about it? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brandy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Novi John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Ab 
Adams going to center. The puck is shot. It's missed. The Blues clear. You can bring out the Zamboni. What a great win tonight. And a gutty penalty kill to seal it for the Blues. Three to two, the final at Ball Arena. And we had some mom magic tonight. But we are presently on a winning streak. I'm on a winning streak. Yeah, we won. I got a good winning streak. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. I do, too. Three in a row for your St. Louis Blues. They won their first three, lost eight. Now they've won their last three. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, 906. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler and CD. I got to tell you, because of the eight-game losing streak, I was absolutely convinced when the Blues went down two men with a minute 46 to go that the Avalanche not only were going to score one goal to tie it, but they were going to score the winner on the power play as well. I was absolutely convinced that that was going to happen. I, I thought you were going to say you were absolutely convinced that they were going 3-79, and 79, as one of the texters said yeah. during yeah. that eight-game losing streak. It kind of seemed like it. Here's the thing. When you look at the record now, Six and eight does not look that bad. No, and you're four points out of a playoff spot. You are you are back into it. You are allowing yourself playing well these last few games, allowing yourself to to get back into things and and you know not have a a for sale sign come trade deadline. Now you have guys that are competing. They are playing well. They're doing their job. Um, the things that they were were lacking, I think, at times over the past over that eight game losing streak, they're doing better and 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 you're winning games because of it. And as a, as a coach. It just it, it fuels your fire to see mm-hmm. guys doing the things the right way and having success. It, it just basically tells you, hey, guys, when we are doing what we're coached to do, we can win games against anyone. We've played two very good teams the last couple of nights. And so we've, we're able to get wins against anyone when we're doing our job. It seemed as though during that eight-game losing streak, everyone was pressing, trying to do something uh, a little bit more than what they needed to do, and that was causing them to lose games. And now you see guys just doing the right thing, and they're winning games because of it. And if you had to go to bed last night, not only did – the Avalanche have the five on three for the last minute 45 of the game, but they also pulled their goalie. So they had a six on three, kind of scrambly, kind of tense for Brandon Sod and his teammates. What was that like? Uh, that was pretty wild. Pretty wild. I mean, it's kind of tough to defend. You just want to pack up the middle. And obviously, they had a lot of good cracks at it, missed a couple shots, and better made some saves. And uh, that's the hockey game. Yeah, when Nathan McKinnon is shooting wide three times, that's working to your advantage. That's good. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing. <laughs> You're thankful. Robert Thomas, our buddy, what was it like having that five-on-three that turned into a six-on-three? I mean, that's probably not the, the look you want to give up, um, especially against this team in the last two minutes. But, I mean, can't give enough credit to those three guys out there and Benner. Uh, I mean, they did an amazing job keeping their chances to the – kind of the outside and Benner made some huge saves so uh, I mean what a what a way to close it and Kerry you were talking about what guys are capable of what we saw at the end of that game is what Colton Pareko is capable of that's the way he played during the, the Stanley Cup run in 2019 he's never going to be a, a physical guy but he uses his stick well he can maintain puck possession or at least force the clock to tick down Mm -hmm. because he keeps the puck against the boards. He did a really good job last night in that final two minutes. And and as I said, when you are in that situation, (laughs) six on three, 
the past eight games losing streak, you would have thought, oh, here, here, here mm-hmm. we go. But good teams, when you are a winning team, when you do things the right way, you find a way to win games, even when you know things are stacked against you. And to get out of that situation, to not allow a goal, to get the win, it just speaks volumes to this team starting to come around and trust one another. I think there were times, you know, during that streak where they were just out there, kind of playing for themselves, doing their contractors, yes, doing their own thing, trying to figure out a way to win. And now you see guys really playing, doing things that teammates good teammates do that you don't get credit for in the stat sheet. It doesn't show up, but it's the things that you need to do in order to win games, and I think they're doing that right now. Chief, eight losses in a row, now three wins in a row. What's the diff? Competitiveness for me, like you know, we're winning a ton of puck battles out there. I think that we're um, starting to get our game going in the offensive zone, and you know, I thought that we did a good job defensively tonight, protecting the middle of the ice. We gave up outside shots, but we didn't give them. We didn't give them the freebies and the slot shots. I thought we did a good job. If you just watch this team, and Craig Bruby says this, whether they win, we did it, or they lose, they didn't. Watch puck battles along the boards. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Cairo yeah. taking it end-to-end and getting it into the offensive zone and winning a puck battle so that the, they, the Blues could get a change. That's the essence of what the Blues do. That's how you maintain possession of the puck is by winning face-offs and winning puck battles along the boards. Those are winning plays. Those are the things that, that don't show up in the stat sheet. But when you look at film, when you watch film as a team, as a coaching staff, you say this is a, this allowed us to to win this possession or th- win this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And and it's important. It is, it, is, it is vital for a team to do the things right every single time in order to win. And it, it, it may not be you know the big save or the big shot on goal or, or, or the rebound to put it in. It may be those little minute details that you look at and say, hey, that allowed us to get off of the ice, some t- some guys that were tired to get some fresh guys on the ice, and now we are not in a position where we're going to get ran down and, and have guys tired trying to defend a, a very good av- avalanche team. Now, if I'm Brandon Saad and I'm asked what the difference is in the last three games, I say, well, I'm back. <laughs> he was asked that question. I think we're playing a full 60 minutes and we're checking well. You know, there's times where we get loose in the past or we get scored on and we kind of let down, but uh, we've, we've done a good job of staying connected, playing good offense, and forechecking teams better. Oh, come on. Let's get a little better ego going there. Yeah, he sounded he <laughs> sounded very humble, but I was just picturing like I was just picturing kind of like Jordan with a cigar in his mouth and the baseball bat, mm-hmm. kind of just like, oh, no, I know why we've been doing this. Don't worry. <laughs> I understand. But playing, hey, uh, that's another thing during the – course of the, the eight-game losing streak, playing 60 minutes. How many times were they in a game after two and then it would get away yeah. and wind up being a 3-1-4-1-5-1 game? Yeah, it was times where it, they weren't playing 60 minutes. It was a period here or a period there where you just like, it, it seemed like the wheels just fell off. You give up four goals in the, in the second period or or you're just not finishing periods in, in, in um, I think it was against the Flyers where you give up a goal with three seconds left. They were not finishing and doing things the entire game. And those little uh, mishaps or, or, you know, just not attention to detail situations allowed them to lose those games. And as I said, now, when you're watching them, it seems like everyone is doing their part and doing it to the best of their ability, which is allowing them to win games and score goals. How much credit do the moms get? We're going to ask Darren Pang that question next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. 
Hang on for a 3-2 victory last night over the Colorado Avalanche and the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. So, CD, as you mentioned, beating two really good teams in a row, a team that had a nine-game winning streak in Vegas, and then a team that won the Stanley Cup, who you have a little bit of a rivalry with in Colorado. And tomorrow, it's another rivalry game, the Blues at Chicago. Chicago off to a surprisingly good start this season, and hopefully the Blues will be able to win that one before coming home against Washington on Thursday night. Yeah, great opportunity to extend your winning streak to uh, beat up on a divisional team and, and a rival, as you said, an opportunity to play them. Um, we, we said Chicago wasn't going to be good this year. They're, they're playing better than the Blues are at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's an opportunity to go there and, and get a win, which will be good for the Blues. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Darren Pang is standing by, Blues Analyst on Bally Sports, and of course, a great analyst nationally on TNT. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great, fellas. Good morning to you. It's always uh, a lot nicer in the morning to talk uh, after three straight wins, especially last night. What a game that was. All right. I've got a couple that I have to get to you. Number one, how much credit do the moms deserve? All the credit in the world. <laughs> Great interview with them, by the way. They had some. They had some inner will and gumption last night, and they just had a blast. It was so great to see uh, the moms and to have them on the. You know, I mean, that's game one. But to see them, you know, see them in the locker room before the game or at, in the morning skate, they had the. Uh, Craig Berube had the actual team meeting. He had video clips. And they sat there for that, and I think they were all in absolute awe of what happens and how it works. And and uh, and so for the boys to pull that win off was really something else. And I think it was Robert Thomas's mom that said, it's amazing, the, these uh, items that we bought them when they were kids, like shin pads and hip pads and stuff, they're still wearing the same ones. <laughs> yeah, well, once uh, Debbie Thomas said that to us, we went back into the locker room and we took some pictures of, uh, of Robert Thomas's shin pads and uh, shoulder pads and and so I, I asked Robert. I said, I, seriously, like those are still the ones from before your junior days? And he said, yes. And uh, we actually confirmed that with uh, with the head coach Craig Berube. And he goes, actually, his whole career, Craig Berube did the same thing. He had the same old shoulder pads, same old elbow pads and shin pads. And everybody thinks you get to the NHL and you buy new. You know, not you buy, but the team gives you new equipment, so you wear it all the time. But these guys. No, they like the comfort, the comforts of their old stuff, and uh, and so that was pretty cool last night. I really enjoyed that. That's amazing. And then the other thing I have to ask is what you were thinking in the last minute forty-five with that five-on-three that became a six-on-three. Well, I was thinking to myself, when was the last time you saw a six-on-three? And and it's a, I even I was asking some of the players, and they're like, can't remember. So it's 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 uh, it's irregular. And so when I thought that, I thought, "Oh my God, they got they got McKinnon on the ice. They've got they've got uh, Rantanen, who's the NHL's first star of the week. They've got the Bacar. I'm honestly thinking it's going to go in the net. We're going to go to overtime. And for the Blues to pull that off was really something else. That 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 group of uh, Nico Bikola, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, and Colton Pareko were on the ice for two minutes and ten seconds straight. And I give them all the credit in the world. They were fantastic. Hey, Panger, you said the mothers were in film session with the players. They were watching clips of, of practice and games. You know what, Kerry? What, what happens in the morning skate, they go through a they go through shorthanded or penalty kill, uh, even strength and, and power play situations. And the, the head coach 
you know, or, or the video coach or the assistant coaches, they'll they'll put them through like let's say the night before the game was terrible, they might have thirty two bad clips, and you don't want to be in the bad clips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, you know what I mean. Yes, probably some bad ones. Right? I, I definitely do know, and there are times where <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in the room, much less my mother, to be in the room while I'm watching some of those bad clips. Exactly. So, well, <laughs> thankfully, you know, Craig Berube's one sharp dude and all the clips were good clips about the boys and positive stuff. And, and so the, uh, the mothers were loving it. So, uh, uh, really, really something for them to experience that. And, uh, I mean, what, how many, how many sports do you, do you get a chance to do that and, and be in the locker room? And, you know, the, the other thing about, I, I talked to the, uh, the, the, the moms during practice and, they all said the same thing. They're like, well, the equipment still smells the same as it did when the kids were boys. So, uh, no. That's pretty awesome. Hey, Baker, I was, uh, you, all, you and John Kelly were talking about this specific play in the first period. It was a play where Kyrou took the, took the puck into the ozone and, and was um, really fighting up against the boys, but allowing the, the Blues to change uh, lines. Can you talk about how important that was, not only for him, uh, a play that's not going to be on the stat sheet, but just for him to, to, to do that and kind of giving himself to the team in a way that, that maybe he hadn't been doing in the past? Yeah, you are exactly right. That's one of those moments that that might get on the positive clips for tomorrow. And that is a, you know, a moment where, you know, he knew that the, you know, the two wing, the two other players on on that line had to get get off for a change. So instead of just going into the offensive zone and soft chipping it, so that a Kale McCarr could get the puck and go up the ice, he basically ate the puck is what we what we call it in the game of hockey. So he gets it on the boards, he uses his skates. He smothers the puck a little bit. He's just trying to buy some time. And uh, I bet he bought about 15 seconds on that one sequence. So by doing so, the two other players get off for a line change. They get back on the ice. They're fresh legs. And now he's able to go for a change. So I thought Jordan Cairo had a heck of a game last night. Um, he's starting to trend in the right direction. And that is phenomenal news for the player for the for the entire team because they need him to be a top player and he's starting to find his way. Panger, I'm continually amazed that the best of the best athletes they know they're good, but they still, for whatever reason, lose confidence. Do you think that's what happened with Ryan O'Reilly during that stretch? Because Ryan O'Reilly has looked like a different player for the last four games. Yeah, you know what? I do I, I do. Um you know, players like that, that practice hard, that are the first on the ice, that are the last off the ice. I talked to Ryan at length uh, just the other day about that. And he and Steve Ott, the assistant coach of the Blues, went over some game situations again. And Steve Ott reiterated to him that that uh, just because you want to play fast and you're not the fastest player doesn't mean you have to be in a hurry to play fast. What a simple message. And I, I, I said to Ryan, I said, Ryan, you're never going to get faster. You're going <laughs> to play the game the same way. And the, the players that I know that came into the league that were not very fast ended, the, ended in the league the same way, not very fast. But their strengths were a, a great shot, Luke Robitaille. Um, you know, strong on pucks, Ryan O'Reilly. Patience, you know, Ryan. Uh, so just do the things that, that, that you did just because the games, you know, uh, you know, not, the games 
getting faster. Players are getting faster. You don't have David Cron with you anymore. Doesn't mean you have to change your game. And so those are great messages. And I think having Steve Ott on the bench and being beside Ryan O'Reilly has really helped. And I think, you know, Ryan's, he, he did lose confidence. I know he did. I could, you could tell. But now he's getting it back right now. And he's got some swagger back to his game. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for the guy because no nobody puts in more work than Ryan O'Reilly. Hey, Panger, is it just as simple as doing the little things that have changed this, going from the, the, the games that they lost in a row to, to winning these last three games, just the minor details, not doing anything out of character, just doing what they're being coached to do? Um, no, I, I think there has been some fundamental tweaks to it as well, Kerry. Um, you know, I, I, I knew at the beginning that they were trying to tweak the defensive zone coverage, and it, it wasn't working. And they, they, they went to more of a passive zone coverage in the, in the defensive zone, um, you know, basically meaning that the 2D stayed in front of the net uh, the centermen kind of had a lot of responsibility pushing the play one way or the other. The two wingers sagged down basically at the bottom of the face-off dot. So the opposition was moving the pucks around in the in the O-zone, and, and they were just at will firing pucks. And now they've switched to a, a more conventional or more traditional. It's a man-on-man up until a certain point, and then they, then they, then they exchange or release. And I think they're back to feeling comfortable with that again. And I, I had a long talk with Callie Rosen yesterday morning about that. He said, we're starting to feel like our game's getting back to what it was in the D zone. And so I, I went into detail with him and he explained it. And so I, I do believe that, uh, that that's been a big factor as well. And then once you get your defensive zone um, settled in and you're not running around the whole time, then you've got more energy for the offensive zone. So I think it does go hand in hand. And then that with a little bit of confidence and some great goaltending uh, results in, in you know, and obviously a better a better five on five game than what they had before. You you just brought the name up that I was going to ask you about. What have you seen from Kelly Rosen since he's been uh, in the lineup? Fantastic. I said that to him yesterday, uh, Kerry. I said, I said, Kelly, I know exactly when you're playing well, and 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 when I look up, when I look down, and you're you're low in the offensive zone, keeping pucks in, and then you're you know then then you're got your legs moving and you got some flow in your back and and you're covering the points and you're moving the puck back in again and then you're pinching down low and you're keeping pucks in I said that's you all the way and and he and Nico Mikola they deserve a lot of credit I think that third pairing on the on the blue line for the blues has been as good as any pairing in the last two games so really happy for Callie he's a really he's a gentleman he's a he's a quiet Swede and he just he just does his work. He's a diligent worker, and I, I really have a lot of time for him. And same with Mikola. Mikola's really played his best hockey the last two or three games. Panger, you have Edmonton and the Kings tomorrow? Who do I have tomorrow? No, actually, I have. I'm going to fly to Chicago with the team. We had, we had, we had a, a jet problems last night, so we stayed overnight in, in Denver instead of flying into Chicago. But tomorrow night's game is also on TNT. And so I've got that game. Great. But, it's not, but it will not be shown in St. Louis. So Jamie Rivers will do the Valley Sports Midwest game. Uh, the Blues game will be shown in only St. Louis. Uh, I've got the TNT game to the rest of the rest of the country. So got a little it. complicated, but that, that's what that's what's going on. Well, 
we wish you luck with that one, and we'll see you back here on Thursday against Washington. Thanks so much for the yeah. time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure, guys. Have a great morning. You Thanks. too. That's Darren Pang. He's terrific. Good to have him with us on 101 ESPN. He probably misses his little dog, Bruce. Probably. Yeah. I wonder what the temperature is. I was going to ask him. What he, well, they're not there yet. Chicago, yeah. if it's snow on the ground there. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> cold. Coming up next, Brendan Donovan, a finalist for Rookie of the Year. He finished third, but how much can the Cardinals count on him in 2023? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. As Matthew Rocky mentioned, Brendan Donovan of the Cardinals finishes third in National League Rookie of the Year voting. He led all qualified National League rookies with his on-base percentage of 394. He has a great eye. Kerry, in addition to uh, the, the 394 on-base, which was obviously fantastic, and I think Cardinal fans should be really happy with, the, with where he finished there, uh, this is a guy that won a gold glove as a utility player. If he's at second base, I believe that he can be a really good second baseman. That's essentially what he came up as before he got to the pros. When he played in college, he was primarily an infielder and then started as a utility guy in the Cardinal organization. But I believe that Brendan Donovan is a player who, if he hits like he did in 2022, 281 batting average, 394 on base, 773 OPS. To me, that's leadoff hitter material, especially the 394 on base percentage. His defense was okay at second base. He had an ultimate zone rating of 1.2. That was 18th in baseball. His uh, defensive run saved were minus one. There's a lot of really good second basemen, or at least perceived really good second basemen, that are around that zero area. Uh, Just to give you an idea defensively of some of the guys that are around zero and minus one, you've got uh, Adam Frazier of Seattle. He was at zero. Kevin Newman of Pittsburgh considered really good. Orlando Arcia, who played a lot for Atlanta, was a zero in terms of defensive runs saved. Uh, There's just a lot of guys that Donovan is in the ballpark with. So with that being the case, what we saw offensively and the potential defensively, I'm ready to count on Brendan Donovan to be the Cardinals' second baseman and perform at a reasonable level in 2023. I am am with you there. I think my only hesitancy would be you need a bat. You need another bat in that lineup. And where do you find that bat? Is it is it at catcher? Is it at middle middle infield? Or is it in the outfield? Where is the the additional bat or bats going to come from? And what position will they will they will they be well, at? Because right now, when you look at this lineup, you you Yadi is gone. Obviously, he was not the bat that you're talking about, but the catcher. And Albert is gone. So that was one of the bats. So now you have to find a guy, whether it be in the middle of the infield or a catcher, or even in in the outfield, that is going to be that bat. To, to help that lineup be uh, more of a threat, mm-hmm. you know, pitch at, uh, at bat after at bat for, for opposing pitchers. Okay, let's start with what the dream scenario would be. Okay. That bat would be Trey Turner, right? He can do anything Correct. for you. That allows Donovan to play in the outfield. He can be a utility guy like he was, a gold glove utility guy with a three ninety four on base. Now, when you look at the catcher situation, I know a lot of discussion has been had about Toronto and trading for either Alejandro Kirk, who is an all-star for Toronto this year, or Danny Jansen. And their best prospect is a catcher as well, but he's kind of like Herrera. 
So you aren't going to trade for their best prospect who only played in 25 games this year. Here's the thing about Toronto. I look at their pitching. I look at their starting rotation. I look at their bullpen. I look at their lineup. And I don't see where the Cardinals match up with Toronto to make them better. I don't see a player on the Cardinals where Toronto would say, okay, I'll give up an all-star quality catcher so that I can have that guy on my team. I think that's one of the things that we say, okay, let's go trade for this guy. Mm -hmm. But we don't think about what the Cardinals would have to give up because Toronto really doesn't need that. So I think that if they're going to make a deal, the Cardinals are going to make a deal, then Murphy is a much better possibility from Oakland than Kirk or Jansen from Toronto. So my question would be for, for you and for, for listeners, if if Brendan Donovan was one of those guys that were put into a trade trade situation where you could get something back, something that you need, a la a catcher or a middle infielder or someone else, would you be comfortable with that? Because what you have is is he's he's a utility infielder. That's what he mm-hmm. won his gold glove for. He's a third overall for, for uh, rookie of the year. And it sounds bad, but it's probably the best time he ha- he's at his highest value that that if he plays a, a full 150 or 140, 150 games next year and doesn't perform as well as he has this year. You talked about the shift. Does the shift impact him? The lack of the shift. Does that impact him going forward? There are a lot of things and a lot of questions that if you were to get a Trey Turner and feel comfortable with moving uh, Edmund over to second base, that may be a situation where then I do it. Then, then you do it, right? You you feel comfortable with 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 uh, moving on from Brendan Donovan, and I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen or what should happen, but I think that that is a conversation that the Cardinals could potentially be having, depending on what they're looking at in free agency. But I can only do that if I sign a free agent middle infield, correct? Because. I'm not going into a season with Edmund, DeYoung, no. and Gorman. No. I don't think that's a winning combination. Not at all. You, you, only if you know. So you sign the you sign the shortstop, whomever that is, and, and you feel comfortable with going in a different direction for another piece a la catcher or, or an outfielder. You feel comfortable with that. And I think that someone like Donovan has a high trade value for other teams, for opposing teams, that need a guy that can do multiple things. In an ideal scenario, if the Cardinals are truly going to go top 10 in terms of payroll, they have some money to play with. You probably are looking at uh, at Sean Murphy as a $3 million player. Okay. So do the Cardinals, do, do they swim in waters? Do they, do they go beyond their puke point? That's a Bill DeWitt third uh, line. Do they go beyond their <laughs> puke point? And give what, a guy. What point is that? Where they where well, they feel sick about what they're doing? Yeah, where they <laughs> but they're going to do it anyways. That's the thing. Are are you willing to go? Because he's going to be a twenty seven, twenty eight million dollar a year player. They're probably right now thinking that that player is going to be a twenty million dollar a year player. So over the course of six years, do they go forty two million dollars more than they planned on going? They did make a lot more last year than they planned on making. If I'm spending the money, I do it. Right. But I don't think that they'll do it. Well, if they don't do it, then you are you leave your fan base with the same frustration that you've had year after mm-hmm. year when it comes to the free agent market because there's not a lot. I mean, we talked about it, I think, a month or so ago, maybe two months ago, the, the, the best free agent signing that they've had over the last five to ten years has been Albert Pujols. Yes, it has. And, and that is not a free agent signing where you felt like that was a person that you were, were going to get what you got from him. He he just showed up and, and showed out all season long. That's not what you were expecting when you, got, when you signed him. You were expecting a guy that was just coming back for a victory lap and going to be uh going to be a part of 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 something that was 
just a, a, a fun to watch. But you got real good baseball from Albert Pujols mm-hmm. in his last season. And if that's your best free agent signing from the last five to ten years, that would leave yeah. a fan base extremely frustrated, especially when you're looking at what's out there now and what's available. And you've talked about the money that you have available. You need to do. You need to go do something. End of the day, with what we're talking about, Brendan Donovan, a really good player. I would be comfortable with him at second base. But if you want to be great for six months, if he's your utility guy, and then you have John Ham's guy at shortstop, <laughs> you're good to go. If you have John Ham's guy at shortstop, then all of a sudden you've really got something. There's a, there's a text from the from the text line. Would you trade? Would you feel better trading Edmund or Donovan if those two? If a team oh, come, you would feel better trading Donovan. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's what I that's what I felt. Tommy as well. Edmonds, a, he's a gold glove quality yes. shortstop. Yes. Well. So we we don't have John Ham's guy. That's okay. We don't. We, we know who he is. I yeah, I, 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 I put it's together, Trey Turner. It's, it's Trey Turner. I put <laughs> together a little something actually to go to break actually about 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 Dodger yeah. about a fan of not only not only John Ham but there's another St. Louis and is also a big fan as well. Okay. Rock and roll next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It's time for us to rock and roll here on the Opening Drive. I, I, I should be able to guess the answer here because you guys you guys have hearts and, and good taste. But you guys yeah, are you guys yeah, fans no, 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 of so far. Are you guys han- <laughs> fans of the Apple TV Plus show Ted Lasso? I love Ted Lasso. I've never seen the show, but I love the NBC ads. I've got to get Apple TV Plus. You've never seen. I've never seen, seen it either. The show. You haven't seen the show. No, no, I have not. Neither of you have seen the show. We have not. This do, is. Do we need another rock and roll? You have to be two. <laughs> you have to just be two of the only people. Two of the only people I know in my my life who have seen none of the show. Haven't seen one. That would mean I'd have like seven streaming <laughs> f- platforms. Yeah, I know. It's a hassle. I'm not, it it is a hassle. You're not wrong yep. that it's annoying to have all these streaming platforms, you, but you got to get certain ones because they have incredible content. You, you have to borrow somebody's Apple TV Plus or any character. It's a show that you, of all people, will love. I know. Mainly because it's a show TV. about love. Is, you and have I no, haven't watched You have no it. excuse then. I have none. What the heck are you doing, Listen, Karen Rock, I just watched Game of Thrones last year. I know. For the first uh, time ever, I can't, I can't even get into that. I, I heard, too. by the way, my my daughter told me that good. she read that Netflix is going to start cracking down on people sharing their. Yeah, Netflix says that once every year, and uh, not going to happen. Never. Shout does. out to Netflix. They try. Yeah. Well, anyhow, a little special promotion <laughs> is going around uh, around St. Louis and other towns that have hometown players who are going to be on the United States men's national team for the World Cup. They posted billboards all around the players' hometowns with special messages from Ted Lasso. So that means there is one right up right now about Tim Ream in St. Louis City proper, <gasps> and then oh, across the. River in O'Fallon. There's also one up about for Josh Sargent, and they're very fun. Very, you know, if you if you know the Ted Lasso character, it's very folksy, very kitschy, mm-hmm. very corny, but funny. And they're both up right now. Considering neither of you watch the show, although you you know the commercials, it's a little bit of a different Ty. character. Yeah, a little bit of a different character. It doesn't hit as well. So I'm just gonna say go to, go to your Twitter, search Tim Ream, search Josh Sargent, search Ted Lasso, and find these. They're very fun. I know exactly pretty much where in the city the Tim Ream one is. I have not yet 
actually seen where in O'Fallon the Josh Sargent one is. But bottom line is, when you have something as perfect as the Ted Lasso content in America, to combine it with these fun little... Uh, you know messages to the local players mm-hmm. it's just it's a piece of actual like cross promotion that I actually think is a good thing and actually kind of fun yeah it is I just need you guys to watch the show now yeah. I will God, try to watch it when I I have some time on my hands now Rock I don't I don't <laughs> have at my afternoons are not as uh, full as they once were a few weeks ago months ago <laughs> so we had the, the international game from the NFL this last week in Germany and I thought uh, Roger Sherman at the Ringer did a great piece on how actually how football crazy American football crazy Germany actually is and how when you compare it even to like the London fan base it's a completely different kind of beast here earlier today the NFL announced that they're going to continue hoping to expand the international series hoping to add games in Spain and France I did not know this this is something that I learned today some clubs, I knew this about the Jaguars, but other clubs actually have special rights deals in certain countries. There's certain, a couple teams have rights deals in Australia, a couple teams have rights deals in a couple other European countries, a couple have them in Spain, I believe the Texans are one of them. No one has any deals in France right now, but they're talking about that one because of the stadiums that are available at, in, in Paris and, and, and so on and so forth. Kerry, your thoughts on an expansion of the international schedule for the NFL? You know, I don't have an issue with it. Um, I think it's cool for the players to go to different countries and it's cool for those countries to see uh, American football and some of their favorite players. The only issue that I have, if you were watching that game, the Buccaneers versus the Seahawks, the field was getting torn up. And when you are putting players who are are accustomed to playing on a certain le- a certain type of surface, um, you want the field to be in great condition and not being not being as, as this was natural service it was grass that was just coming apart as those 250 300 pound men were 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 pouncing and trouncing on it so uh yeah you want the field to be in great condition i'm sorry that's coming from a guy who played eight games a year on Heinz Field. Listen, and if you go and look at the 2007 Miami game, we had a ball sticking the ground. It did not bounce. It did not yep. move. And it was shocked because no one knew what to do. We've never seen it. No one knew what to do. Everyone kind of stopped and was nervous. Like, it, it was it was really bad field. And didn't Monday night's game coming up is in Mexico. Didn't they have to cancel a game in Mexico? I believe so. Because it's a bad turf? Yeah, you, they, you, yes, they did. You want people, you want your players to play on surfaces that are uh, safe and and not causing harm. It's funny to the you guys. say that because there's a constant argument going on with the women's soccer because they usually have to play on turf and they're mm-hmm. like, we don't want to play on turf. We want to play on natural mm-hmm. the grass. And there's a whole thing with the MLS. A lot of them use turf, and everyone says you can only play it on natural grass fields because turf actually causes more injuries. In the case yeah. carries going the other way. Do you? No, think- no, 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 no. I want grass. I just want good, good grass. grass. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want turf. I don't. I, I mean, that turf is. You know, you're starting to hear NFL players complain about it because of all the non-contact injuries and that ground. That's that's really just concrete under there. So it's not. It doesn't give as much as as, as grass surface would. And one last thing, Mark Davis came out and gave the stamp of approval for Josh McDaniel. Uh, the the quote they used was Rome was not built in a day. He said, "I gave him my stamp of approval when I signed him to his current contract." This is the situation I was talking about a few weeks ago. We talked about uh, Doug Armstrong's confidence in Craig Berube. That felt real. Every, almost every other time when it's when in that situation, it feels fake. It feels phony. It's because and that's because in the Raiders situation, it does feel phony. I feel like that was the death well, knell already for McDaniel's. He can't afford it. No, he can't afford to fire the guy. He's already paying Gruden. 
still paying him. Ten million a year, right? For the next eight years Something or like so. That, yeah. you gotta, he, that's he the some thing, type of the, buyout. The stamp of approval is, well, uh, you're my guy because I'm stuck with you. Yeah. That's what it is. I got I got one last take it or leave it before right. we go. Uh, there's a text from the 314 says, you, with all due respect, you don't know what Mo was expecting out of pool host. Take it or leave it. That's actually Mo texting in. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay. That's definitely Mo. Mo. <laughs> no, Mo definitely didn't know what to expect from Pujols because he didn't expect what he got. There you go. Yep. Thank you, and Matthew. If, and if Mo was listening, just listen to that John Hamm video. The last, the last hey. lines, especially, I, I believe, are extremely important for you to hear. You Mo, go. you can hear that on the app that you listen to all the time, <laughs> or at 101ESPN.com. All of our podcasts brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, CD, this was fun coming in the snow, wasn't it? It was. It was a little damp and wet on the ground, but it was good. Yeah, Getting here. Good job. Time. Yeah. Thank you, sir. That is Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carica. Thanks so much for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The Wendy's $3 breakfast deal is here. Get a bacon or sausage egg and Swiss croissant plus a small seasoned potatoes. That's a better breakfast for just three bucks in three easy steps. One, wake up. (sighs) Two, get out of bed. And three, head to Wendy's for your $3 breakfast deal. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's $3 breakfast deal. Limited time only. Participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Select a request $3 breakfast deal in order to obtain discount. Not valid for all card or combo sorties. Price and participation may vary in Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.